0: We need a little bit of nasty, don't you? They're the little battles you need to win if Munster wanted to win this game. He lives and breathes lineouts. out. How do they pick themselves up from this?
1: The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil
2: Briggs. Subscribe to the rugby channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. OTB AM With Gillette. Get into your flow
3: with the new Gillette Labs Razor with Exfoliating Bar. Oh, don't you just love it? The weekend is here. It's officially a four-day weekend, Johnny. Holy Thursday used
1: to be a great day to go to uh, go to the bar because like it was kind of like the last days uh, I remember being in pubs in Holy Thursday where like you couldn't get in the door because
3: obviously good friday you couldn't go we, to the pub we used to have the best parties on good friday the whole every, the whole country would prepare for the the friday party and you knew that you'd nothing really to do on a saturday sunday and generally monday it was like good friday was traditionally the best hags party day in the country in our history and then it got ruined Catholic Ireland is dead and gone, so on. And we should lament every every part... Oh, no, wait, hang on, we're delighted. Um,
1: I, I, I met my good friend Julian Canney at a Galway-United-Walford game in the RSC the day of the Good Friday Agreement, and uh, it just so happens that we're on a road trip on Friday to watch Galway-United-Walford, which is the Good Friday. And it's kind of... The same. Not much has changed. We're still in the First Division, and we're still not, not, not very good, but... Um, yeah, Good Friday in the RSC. Now you've got billionaire owners. Hang on a second. a lot yet. has changed. Not yet. They haven't actually taken over yet. The Comers, but, but the, they've they have the option of. Um, yeah. And uh, Alex Murphy, young player. I just did a story on it yesterday. He's off to Newcastle, um, which is I think a great sign of the academy and how football in this country could be run. In the sense that we don't, we we obviously should lament losing good players, but at the same time, by all accounts, Newcastle are going to be paying Go United proper money and that's what sustains, and that's what, you know... He's 18 in the summer, I think. He's, he's 18 to in June. So he yeah. then. can't, and uh, the Brexit consequences, sure. I mean, I just find the whole thing so fascinating That Like, Brexit itself uh, is such such a... It's working out great for them. It's working out great for Irish football. Um, it's certainly not working out great for the Brits, but, um, you know... Well, and, and hang on, we got Mick Hucknell. We've uh, got today. Mick Hucknell getting his passport, yeah. Um, yeah I do... he's I, I, delighted about that one. I do think we're guilty of... Kind of laughing at the Brits in this country to some extent about it when an awful lot of them did not vote for Brexit and are ashamed of what's happening. Well,
3: happened. no, hang on now. An awful lot, a lot, a yeah, lot of them did not a lot vote of them, for it, and a lot of them didn't show up when they could have voted for it. What and you that? get you get the political system you deserve, and they all voted for the Tories again and again and again. Well, I, I can't they, get my head around that. They put loads. They put loads of Tories in over the years. Yeah, so I, my sympathy is limited. No, my well, I've sympathy for people who voted against Brexit <laughs> and who, who abhor
1: abhor Boris Johnson, and there are a lot of people like uh, I more, like either my, my English friends don't admit it but none of them seems to be a fan of Boris Johnson and none of them seems to have admitted to voting for Brexit but in any event
3: it's been great for Irish football yeah there you go that was a bit of a tangent I was trying to celebrate a four day weekend and you're like sympathy for the devil Uh, (sighs) I don't know if you we haven't spoken on the show about uh, poor Bruce Willis um, but uh, he's coming up this morning did you ever see the movie The Last Boy Scout no Okay, well the movie The Last Boy Scout is about him. He's I can't even remember what he it's like him and Damon Wyans team up. It's kind of a, a buddy cop it's it's like early nineties peak violence, peak kind of like trashiness. Uh but when the, Ireland was still a Catholic country. Well, yeah. the opening scene uh, is like a long football match and it's kind of, it's a made-up NFL team and the NFL is failing and everything is failing and there's pressure on everybody and there's, um, there's a star running back or wide receiver who's pictured in the changing rooms and then comes back out and it's dark and it's raining, it's absolutely lashing and he has one last play to win the game, right? And he's like running past everybody when all of a sudden he pulls a pistol from his shorts and shoots the next tackler and another tackler... And kneecaps another one And runs into the end zone Is this for a segue to Atletico Madrid or Last night (laughs) Last night (laughs) I felt like Atletico Madrid Had whipped a pistol from their knickers And were (laughs) Standing over the bloody corpse Of poor Phil Foden Who you know Was just an innocent broad Wet behind the ears Poor Man City The plucky upstarts Man City State of Abu Dhabi Won't be a cow milk in Abu Dhabi All week Simeone's a hero. He is kind of a cult hero, isn't he? I was, I was getting a lot of heat from people. Think of the children. Would you like your children play like that? I'm like, if 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 Kildare played football like that against Dublin for the last eight years, mm. things would have been a bit different. A little, a little bit of this in our football lives is exactly what you're supposed to have. Shit house reads called. And like, should everybody... Okay, so uh, I thought City Liverpool... At the weekend was excellent, yeah. really, really excellent, right? R- very nice, and yeah, amazing to watch, right? Yeah, but like if it's all Phil at stake all the time, I
1: totally agree with you. Like we need these outliers. Like yeah, we need we need outliers like Atletico Madrid. I didn't see the game last night. Now, but Simeone's track record at this stage, going back from it may it may have
3: got a bit excessive last night. Probably, yeah, probably went, there was nine minutes of injury time, and I actually played at twelve or thirteen. And it was mostly because of Atleti shit history. Yeah.
1: But you know, Ger, it, it's a beautiful game. But I mean, um, like I, I bemoan the way that Scully United. I think we could pass the ball more. But at the same time, I don't want if every team played like Man City and it was very nice. It would be, it would get very boring. If every team played like Man City, it actually would get boring. There's beauty in the horror of um, the shit housery of Atletico. I think, and you know, it's, it's a kind of a Latin American thing. I think as well, like particularly in like countries like Uruguay, they just want to win at practically all costs. We've seen this with. Suarez and Simeone's been like that from the David Beckham incident right up until now it's basically just win at all costs he wasn't a particularly good footballer from my recollection of him um, back in the days of Argentina where he was basically a spoiler in midfield and he's brought that to the, the game as, as a manager and it's just win and like in fairness Atletico holding holding Man City to a one goal defeat over two legs isn't exactly bad
3: uh, the, yeah, most, I, most teams wouldn't even have gotten that close. Man City weren't very good in the second mm-hmm. half and Atletico created a lot of chances, had a lot shots and then in stoppage in the stoppage time at the end of stoppage time there was a really good opportunity for them mm. which would have turned the game to one all and it would have been great absolutely delicious because they should have had a like, four player sent off and there's a there's a uh, well basically Phil Foden uh, goes down and, uh, uh, is is tackled and it's a uh, it's a clear yellow card which is uh, a red for the athletic player and he gets bundled off the pitch mm. but he does a roll that is like a perfect like uh, I don't know what 360 times. It was probably 3600 degree <laughs> roll because it's 10 times or over to get him to roll himself back onto the pitch that's amazing and like clearly cheating right yeah. it's like brilliant athleticism to take a kick on the ankle To start rolling and then realise I'm off the pitch. Keep rolling, keep rolling, keep rolling, keep rolling. rolling." That's phenomenal. At which point an Atleti player comes over and drags him off the pitch. (laughs) Completely legitimate. Yeah. That that sparks the brawl. Yeah. Savage is evil for doing that. Now, in fairness, he does also uh, headbutt Raheem Sterling and pull Jack Grealish's hair in the next (laughs) 10 seconds. (laughs) So, you know, it's not like uh, I'm not condoning the actions of Savage at that point. But the, the, the cause of this is Phil Foden cheating at the start. Yeah. Yeah. Two rights don't make a wrong and all that. No, I, yeah. I, I wish. I mean, sorry, you're you're talking about your um, anti-Brexit friends, but uh, I, my my feeling towards our near neighbors was largely formed in the aftermath of the game last night, or or uh, was refreshed in the aftermath. <laughs> After of the After all last these night. years, no, no, sorry, it was refreshed. It was it, it wasn't formed. It was uh, absolutely it's um, copper the, fastened. The recency bias. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, the the Jake Humphreys outrage.
1: Mm. He's the and what a lady we're doing.
3: And like, oh, this is what's going mm. on. Who are these people doing these things? Mm. How can they do these things to us? Uh, um, somebody said, if you just watch him with Alan Partridge, that's the best thing to do. It's like if you just go, this is just yeah. this is just Alan Partridge at this point because um, I like. I mean, uh, the the BBC Sport have been great for sport because. They have, you know, raised the game in terms of competition. Competition is good for everybody. We all benefit from the fact that they exist. But sometimes their football coverage and the the um, the panel led by uh, Jake Humphries is just like it's just shocking. Like who are you talking about? Well, well, mostly him. He's like this.
4: Ah, yes, we are true.
3: Mm. Like how, how did this happen? Mm. How did Man City play in the second half? Why did it let he create so many chances? So uh, after the game, uh, Guardiola said nothing before the game. And said nothing after the game. With kind of his antsy sort of mm. self to Des Kelly, who's asking legitimate questions. Are you concerned about what happened at the end of the game last time when you were on pushing Jack Grealish away? Right. Yeah. Jack Grealish does actually end up in like some kind of a situation with the cops afterwards. Grealish is held up. There's a in the tunnel afterwards. So. Obviously, he was right to be worried. Right? Really, should have watched this. But anyway, the questions at the end are fairly similar. And Guardiola bats him away and says, "Nothing. I'm saying nothing. I'm saying nothing. I'm saying nothing." And cut back to studio, and Humphreys is celebrating how brilliant an interview mm. it was when the guy said nothing to your TV audience. Mm. We've learned nothing. Sign him up, Joe. Like, come on. Mm. Is, this the, is this the TV coverage that we really want?
1: It sounds like the didn't see the game last night. The Champions League uh, has really delivered us. At a at a vital time. They
3: also um, sorry. They also pixelated Jack Grealish's, uh mouth in case we might see what he was saying. He, he called Savage to see you next Tuesday, and apparently that's the 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 fee paying public are not and, allowed to yeah. to lip read this. Despite now. the fact they've seen Atletico. Well, when, exactly. Well, when, uh, to be honest, when I saw it the first time, I was like, I thought he was just saying, "Ah, oh, you're Somebody out. You're think out. Think of the children. You're out." Exactly, well, that's exactly, I was like, oh, when I tweeted, uh, I kind of love a laddie, people were like, oh, would you like your children to play like this? I'm like, well, I mean, absolutely. Don't be thinking things are all
1: right, things have worked out. Like, if you, we've, we've all played in games where we were playing a team that were far better than us, and um, sometimes you have to level the playing pitch a bit. I, I was a very nice, kind type of a player, but I wouldn't uh, begrudge a bit of shithouser either.
3: I mean, is there none of it in our sport that we celebrate? Absolutely, ludely. Um, The Tyrone footballers Absolutely Roy Keane Yeah Like Um. Donegal Mm. I mean you know The dubs The dubs Yeah Sorry Paddy Andrews was uh, uh, Saying Like I think they've forgotten The last few minutes Against Mayo that year Where they were like Basically an MMA team Mm. You do what you gotta do Mm. Like Yeah is there a little asterisk beside the five, six in a row? Because oh, they were they were mean to those poor Mayo lads. There is not. There absolutely is not. Anyway, you like Atleti and you like Simeone. I look. If that was against it's for it in the game, if that was against my team, yeah. I, I think that like uh, why is WWE so successful? Because they have some baddies and they have mm. some goodies. Yeah,
1: like. Like sport is ultimately so trivial in the overall scheme of things, but stuff like Simeone last night will will rile you up and make you feel alive.
3: I mean, it certainly turned what could have been a fairly processional, boring yeah. nil all into something. That's the other thing. You what,
1: get, what do you want to watch? Gets extremely good results from his team who are punching above their weight in games like that.
3: All right, I'm um, sure we're going to get a lot of abuse for this. Uh, the hashtag is OTBAM. If you want to get in touch with this, OTBAM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Give us your thoughts on what you witnessed last night. The the disgraceful scenes! My goodness, football is ruined. Ruined. The fall of the empire. Somebody again. please think of the children. Uh, right. Some other quick things. Um, it's the twenty-fifth anniversary of uh, Southampton Manchester United. The six-two. The the the, the great, jersey. Yeah. Jersey Gate. Jersey Gate. Oh yeah. wow! Did you like
1: the jersey? No, I think I I think that day I was. A disappointed, non-used sub for a Roscommon League under <laughs> under fourteen representative team. I'm trying to think would that would would that align my age now. I think it would, and um, that was the, the one thing that cheered me up was Man United struggles at the Dell. I've actually looked up the Dell recently, and um, I just find it so sad that grounds like that are gone. Like Southampton moved there, um, they built the ground like I don't know hundred. It was there about a hundred years, and it was just so synonymous with. Um, my upbringing in the as
3: Conspiracy theorists Scoring great goals Yeah um,
1: But that was written In the stars uh, But I used to love Like the Just It was a different ground And like You know It was small But it was I, You just seemed to be Right on the pitch um, And that day You know You weren't expecting Man United to get uh, Hockeyed But uh, yeah 25 years There we
3: go um, Okay the other thing That we wanted to ask you about To get your If it's the end of the week Easter's nearly here Who's the world's Most recognisable sports person? Ooh, um,
1: Messi. I, I,
3: I, is it? I don't. It's, it's not. It's not. There's is no there one. a right answer? I mean, yeah, it's it's Ronaldo because he's got the most Instagram followers. But Beckham, Tiger Woods, Muhammad Ali. Hmm. What's sure Do people still know Ali? How much do they do? The the correct answer is, unfortunately, Ronaldo, right? Because the marketing campaign behind Ronaldo is bigger and better than... It's a machine, in a way, Mm. that Messi isn't a machine. Messi is, like, concentrated on his football and has earned money as a secondary thing. Like, not always secondary, and obviously could have had better tax advice along the way, but uh, it's Ronaldo. That was the debate. Column is insistent that it's David Beckham.
1: Right. Son is in the news. Got married, didn't he?
3: Well, so maybe maybe that maybe that helps. You know, it's like you know the way uh, Conor McGregor was the world's highest-paid athlete last year. He wasn't really. He sold mm. his he sold his stake in the whiskey company. It wasn't to do with, mm. uh, and that's a one-off. That's not going to repeat. Like whereas all of the other sports people are in like long-term deals. So he'll he'll flame up for that one year. Maybe maybe he is something else. Maybe there's a George Foreman grill coming. I don't know. I I, I was I was on Cork Street like a year or two ago, just cycling in
1: here, and Conor McGregor just pulled up beside me in a. Open top car it was a bizarre experience. went at it? a traffic light, and recently, like, like it, it was during lockdown, I think. Um, I yeah, you know, you're at a traffic light and you're yourself, and you look over. <laughs> oh, there's Conor McGregor.
3: I'm he was in good form as well. He was kind of like probably because he'd made so much money. I'm, I've been told to give you the criteria uh, instantly recognisable to every demographic. Yeah,
1: I haven't put much thought into this, to be honest. So. No, that's um, yeah. um, know that's why I'm
3: asking. It's not like a PhD. I was probably Ronaldo then. Yeah. OK, correct answer. Yeah. OTB is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Let's uh, take a look at what's coming up between now and 10 o'clock this morning. Paul Williams is going to talk to us about the Kinnan situation. Tommy Walsh is going to join us to preview the hurling championship season which starts this weekend. Uh, we've got the sports pages at 8.30, Sports News at 8.40 with John Duggan. Phil Thompson to look back on a routine progression for Liverpool. Uh, a 3 all draw with Benfica at home which uh, put them through 5-4 Alan is going to join us at 10 past 9 to reflect on the week and to look forward to the weekend and then we have a classic crappy quiz coming your way at uh, half past 9 as I well I hope it's not mine
1: um, the one time I did it I was an absolute disgrace like I froze on the spot we
3: should get you back for that yeah. though. that was good it was, was a was lack of crash. knowledge
1: married with like just an inability to even remember an Irish goalkeeper from the last 30 years it was really really poor yeah I think Dean Kylie stumped you did he no, it's like I couldn't even remember like David Ford And we actually had Dean Kylie on the show around the time Great lad David Ford from Galway as well Yeah, yeah There you go um, Great, yeah And he's involved in our setup now I think In some sort of mindfulness it's, it's, thing Your Easter plans are to go to a match Yeah, um, I'm debating going to war on drugs tonight um, So that would be like the start of the weekend But then like if you go to a gig Will you be tired tomorrow to, to go to a First Division game in Watford? Saturday I'm in here Saturday night My cousins are back From the States So I'm trying to Think of somewhere in town That would seat Six people at a table And Sunday We'll rise again And all that In theory Might get a cycle in as well What What, what are your plans? Might just cycle to Waterford uh, Slightly Yeah hey, That but sounds mad But like as a cyclist That's actually not Like it's not that Big of a thing, but I'm I'm a bit behind in fitness at the moment. I'd like to hail my Clain Wheeler's teammates. were are off to Majorca for the three one two in a week or two, and they're in great shape. And they tell me we had John McConnell on last Friday. He was talking about interval training. So apparently. Interval training as a cyclist is the way to go. This is what you essentially need to do to up your game, is interval training. And I thank my colleague Ronan Hearn for pointing this out. He was like, well, look at me. I'm 51 or 52, and I've never cycled better. He would actually say that, but he's, interval training is what you do. Well, what is that on a bike? I, I actually don't know, but what I imagine it is, is basically getting your heart rate, like, pumping. Ah. So, like, going really, really hard for like two minutes and then stopping and doing it again so not I, stopping I, right? you it, well like giving yourself a break but like whereas when I'm on the bike it's kind of like slow steady slow like yeah you know always kind of working fairly hard but never sort of killing myself because I'm saving myself whereas interval training is you do kill yourself like in a, in the sense of get totally out of breath um, work it to the max and then stop and do it again I presume that's what it is well, I, so if, 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 if there's a cycling coach out there who wants to give me free grinds on this by all means,
3: I um, we're we're doing a, the triath triathlon, and so um, it's sooner than you think. It's the start of June, which is only like seven weeks away. Mm. Is that a good or a bad thing? Well, I like I think in retrospect, I probably need a bit more time mm. to prepare myself. You always it. do. Just uh, so maybe the interval training is the way to go. It's like a crash course. Yeah. What What's your plan for the Easter weekend? I don't know yet. I haven't mm. decided. I mean, there's a fair bit of sport on.
1: There is. Um, there is, yeah, Galway uh, in Wexford on
3: Saturday as well. I bought um, uh, bought fancy Easter eggs off the internet, Oh. And, uh, yeah, I was like oh look, this is it's like you know fancy fillings, fondant, and all that kind of stuff. I was like this is going to be a special treat. I'm going to win lots of brownie points for this, right? Mm. It's the type of stuff that where they deliver it to you, which in, in you know that's yeah that's fancy, right? And then I was like, oh, this is going to be amazing. I'm going I'm to win so many brownie points for this. And then I got the delivery through yesterday and the eggs are smaller than cream eggs size. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I was like, on a cost-per-weight basis, this is like Fabergé egg style.
1: Did you did you kind of play dumb and like let let on that you knew this all along and that you put a lot of thought into it, but it was just a quality over the quantity? No,
3: yeah, I just assumed it was going to be like an Easter egg size. Mm. It turned out it was like... Yeah, that's, a... that's disappointing. Small, far away. Uh, exactly, yeah. Mm. Who's going to win the League of Ireland this year? Um...
1: It's been very, very interesting because Derry City, um, whose former manager Kenny Shields was in the news, um, have had a great start. Shamrock Rovers haven't. um, But Shamrock Rovers play St. Patrick's Athletic on Friday night, I think it'll be an absolutely cracking game in Talla. Really, really good game. Um, Two teams that play football, but also like two coaches that have, um, you know, Stephen Bradley's record has been outstanding. I think Tim Clancy's going to be a really good manager. Um, and, And like... The, the team that Pat's played against Dundalk Friday there's so many young players there. it was great to see like, so you have James Abanqua kid from Longford who's like another like Alex Murphy he's a young defender who's going to leave the country but he was so outstanding at times you're just wondering how good he could be and they really really young defence young goalkeeper um, and I think they I think they'll get something in talent I'd love them to win the game to make it a, a three horse race possibly in the title race but um, but I thought it always quite cool and it's a bit of a bit of an aside. I went to an under 19s game on Sunday on the way back from like a weekend away or whatever and I went in to see St. Pat's Gall United in Inchicore, just kinda of popped in, it was late, but blah blah blah, a few people knocking around. And St Pat's of a under nineteen goalkeeper, uh, Joseph Anang, um I think he was born in Ghana but has represented England at some underage level. Um but he, he's he's on loan he's a young kid and um, he just spent his Sunday watching the St. Pat's under 19 so I thought it was quite cool um, and he epitomises the spirit in the squad and there's a lot being made of like these lads coming over on loan and and what it what it means for the young lads here but I think they add a lot of quality to the game. <laughs> yeah well. and like long term it might not be anything but short term it might
3: be something and long term it might be that Well it's reciprocal
1: as well and I think the attitude in England towards the League of Ireland is way up like compared to what it was. They want to ship out like Yaros came over last year from Liverpool was, yeah. was brilliant at and we've, I think we have three or four goalies on loan here at the moment from England
3: who are doing really well. Okay, 7.51 this morning here on OTBM. A reminder, we're brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. To the big story of the week, and that is the fact that the US government are now making the Kinnahans people of interest and have offered a reward for information leading to their arrest. And I'm delighted to say Paul Williams joins us to explain a little bit of the context behind this. Paul, good morning to you. How are you getting on?
5: Good morning,
3: John. i and Johnny. Uh, you've got me up at it early. Well, sorry about Beautiful. that. I mean, uh, you must be having a bit of PTSD, <laughs> are you? <laughs> no,
5: I'm only joking. Good
3: to talk to you guys. How a- Yeah. So this story seems to have been brewing for a while. There was definitely been a sense when we've spoken with uh, various of your colleagues over the last eighteen months that something big was happening and that the the net was closing. I think would have been a phrase that was used. Do you, do you know why the Americans got interested and, and what it took to get them interested in this? Because it's it seems like that's the game changer in so many different aspects here.
5: I think because the fact that the Irish were like collating, the uh, British were collating, and the Dutch and the Spanish and other enforcement agencies were collating so much intelligence and information on these guys and realising how big they were getting. Um, that eventually they just couldn't they, they couldn't ignore it anymore because you have to remember that some of the huge players from around the world, these guys like Kenpachi Kinnik, been put in the top five. Uh, I think I wrote a piece about it the other day in the Indo saying, You know, this guy always wanted to dominate the the, the sport of boxing and get to the, to be the top tier in the world. But well, he certainly made a name for himself to become the top tier in organized crime in the world. So he was. He, dealing with and uh, negotiating with and working with some of the biggest organization organized crime groups in the world. So or inevitably he had to come to the attention the Americans. Americans had a big interest in him. They've had an interest in him for the past number of years. At least as they're talking the about have had an interest in them and they have already had already said that they were going to block them when they come into the country. They were they were watching them very, very closely. So there was no way, for example, you know we have had, mind's back to this. Like, Kinnan hasn't able to leave his desert bowl, his luxurious air-conditioned desert bowl, in Dubai for at least two years um, because he was so afraid that the Irish would have a a, EAW European arrest uh, quietly or secretly uh, issued for his arrest. So he just didn't know what was going on. So if you cast your mind back to, you know, I have to think about people like Bob Arum and all of these guys. Like, he famously um, said, when, he, when this was put over two years ago, um, you know, his relationship to Kinahan, he said, I can disregard all that. This is his quote. I can disregard all that. It. it doesn't affect me. It hasn't affected me. When it does, I have to deal with it. And then you may recall that Tyson Fury then, in, in a bit of a, in a stunt, more than actual reality, fact, uh, Kinahan. This was because of the building, uh, uh, the war, or the, the, the controversy building around Kinahan. But eventually the Americans did sit back and take it on board. And that's... The writing on the, was on the wall over two years ago, guys. That's why I keep referring to 2020, because when you heard the T-shirt talking about it, the then Taoiseach for Adkar, and then it moved, not the criminality and serious... Organised investigations are left to the professionals who deal with that kind of stuff. It's called, they're called law enforcement. There are, lo- there are rules and there are laws and there are international treaties to to make that work as efficiently as possible. But it, it was a realisation along the way that this has to get into the diplomatic circles. That's why it came very much like and to go back to what, the, what was the, the, the huge historic significance of this week, Daniel Kinnaham he became Ireland's El Chapo. And so did his daddy and so did his scrawny little, screwed up little brother. Um, and they became the um Pablo Escobars of uh Ireland as well. So it entered it entered, entered the diplomatic field. Why this week is so incredibly historic and significant and why <coughs> at a lot last, you know, Kinnihan uh he particularly Daniel Kinahan's and I know we're you are the premier sports uh, channel in the business, so why his relationship with sport, why his ambitions for domination of the boxing, of the pugilism game, has been KO'd, um, is that nobody now will deal with him. He has nowhere else to go. With no major nation, no major TV channels, no TV channel of any kind is going to cover any of these fights, because that's the lifeblood of the he was trying to organise. He is aptly finished. Now, what are his alternatives? His alternatives today are this, that he does a midnight flit uh, himself and Christine and their entourage and they pack up their luxury bulletproof SUVs in Dubai and they do a drive across the desert in the middle of the night and try in some way to find themselves, get themselves to a country that does not have any kind of relationship with the US and does not have any kind of treaties with the outside world because... The Dubai authorities, they are as morally equivalent and morally bankrupt as any of the the, the, some of the scum that Daniel Kinahan was dealing with in the the boxing game. And remember, it took the Irish media years to convince the world of this. So, the Dubai authorities and the UAE only really survive because they are sucking on the tit, so to speak, of the United States. The United States is their reason for living. And it doesn't matter how many crate-loads of uh, dirty, blood-stoked dollars uh, Daniel has brought to that crate, and how many shakes he's bought, how many shakes he's uh, corrupt, they were already corrupt before. They will just, in the moment of, a, uh, in just of an eye eyelid, they will turn around, Daniel, my friend, it was good while it lasted, good luck, bye-bye, and that's what they'll do. They'll either horse him out, <coughs> or they will agree if the Irish present an arrest warrant for, for him they agree to turf him. They have no there's no constitution, there are no laws really there is just a they're a you know autocratic group organization. So that's him finished. If I was him at the moment, I I would love I suppose the world would love to be a fly on the wall. It's very much like do you ever remember the movie it's just coming to my mind as I'm thinking and trying to work out for an analogy for you. remember the last season uh, the last scene in the fantastic iconic movie Scarface? one with Al Pacino, you're probably too young guys for that. But he was standing there being surrounded by Colombians he was being riddled with bullets and house and everything he stood for all being blown to pieces and he's standing there with his M16 rifle and grenade launcher firing and he's saying, hey Colombians, sell my little friend, well I think Daniel is probably a little bit left right now.
3: Uh, a couple of things Paul Um, the the boxing thing right is really interesting Uh, we we got told that uh, he had a genuine interest in boxing um, from early on but I think what you spoke about Bob Arum there is actually at the heart of the relationship with boxing and and why you get into boxing if you're in the situation you're in apart from the the uh, brilliant mechanics that you can have access to in a sport where you can plough money in and, and maybe wash a bit of money if uh, if that's your intention, if you're from Daniel Kinnan's perspective. And that's not to suggest that anybody other than him would have been doing anything like that. But uh, it also struck me that the reason we're getting involved in boxing was to try and legitimise himself in America. And it was a risky play, a very risky play, because it, it turns out it has backfired. But it was... It nearly didn't. You know, you had Bob Arum, CEO and founder of Top Rank, the most storied promoter still active in the world, saying he didn't really care about it. And it seemed for a long time like America didn't really care about it either. So was that the play? It was It was to try and distance yourself from the source of your money and then get into something else. And then over a period of time, people are like, oh, what was that guy? What was that story again?
5: <clears throat> he, he was, he was the best example ever of sports washing. But you have to remember, though, no. That has been I actually one time uh, trained in, in the gym they had down there in Marbella when I was Aldis, I had no idea who owned it and that's back nearly 20 years ago like, he's always been involved in uh, boxing he's always had a big interest in it. remember when Butch tried to shoot him he ended up shooting Jamie Moore the accident uh, at his house Daniel has always had a huge interest in this and the, the famous weigh in the boxing weigh in um, where the Kinnan or the, the Hutchers came in to try and uh, whack um, Daniel and all his top left and that was in 2016 like, he has had a long long association with boxing but yes he was trying to buy himself legitimacy And but, but the, the point is here guys <clears throat> and I have no interest in boxing at all but it was that <clears throat> he, he had a huge interest in, in, in this because <clears throat> boxing has all been an exactly attractive sport to criminals, going back a hundred years, you know some of the biggest names in 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 in, in, in the American organized crime, they were always involved in sport. That's important. There's a psychological explanation. It's, it's it's testosterone, it's violence, all of that, <clears throat> and it's a fantastic way of laundering money. So it also illustrates as well it's something that Barry McGuigan said, if you remember that famous program he did on Panorama. Um, with Panorama uh, on the Kinnhans about a year ago, more Mm -hmm. than a year ago. He talked about, he was the only person who spoke out, Barry McGuigan, fair play to him. He actually spoke out and he said what had to be said. These are a bunch of corrupt, murderous bastards. And the whole sport, he basically said, was corrupt. And it is a morally ambivalent and morally bankrupt uh, sport. Because, and I remember this at the time, guys, going back to 2016, it was, a, it was a cop friend of mine said to me. He was coaching, he was one of many cops who was coaching young boxing clubs, boxing clubs, the Morgan Ga, so rugby clubs are a way, and sport is the way we keep we, we we help develop our kids in a healthy environment. And he said to me, "You have no idea just how toxic these bastards are. You have no idea just how much they have poisoned this sport." And what he found themselves doing, and other. Good decent people who were working as volunteers in these boxing clubs was trying to turn the heads of a lot of the people they were that were working with away from the ends because they were pumping money into it. And if you, it was a bit like certain other aspects of the sport. If you were good to certain people, you <clears throat> you got lots of money, and you got people sponsored this and sponsored that, and it's absolutely horrific. And I think the best way to describe the whole boxing sport, the sport of boxing, both professional and to a degree, amateurism, amateurism um, reacted to this like, the monkeys. They saw no eagle, they heard no eagle, and they spoke no evil. Do we know, and Paul? Um, I really do remember? S- yep.
1: Sorry, Paul. Do we know are there any Please. other sports that have links to the Kinahans other than boxing? Which has been to me that it's not it's not entirely boxing. Are there other clubs that will be like kind of um, rubbing their eyes this morning and wondering like Do do you, do you know that is is it just boxing that the Kinahans are linked to?
5: That's the only thing I. In terms of that, because that's that's what he, you have to remember that <clears throat> Daniel particularly is completely immersed in it. This is what he, he, apart from, but three things he's very good at. One is organizing, attributing uh, drugs on a on a, by a uh, The other is uh, ordering murders and all of that. And the third is sport, uh, the sport of boxing. That's what he's into, um, and that is always very good because he's not fight through the system and. <clears throat> You know, there was also said once it's just like a war, you know. And this great global alliance is now being pitted against it, but it was like a war for quite a while. And you sat back and you watched people like like um, um that, what's his name? Um I, I Tyson Fury. You know these guys come out, you know, Daniel Kinahan, and they're all praising him and and uh, extolling his great virtue and his his greatness and tweeting on social media nonsense basically saying that all this stuff is just being made up and then of course Daniel did, did made great efforts and <clears throat> great strides to clear his name by what so-called by getting some top lawyer firms to come along and threaten to sue the Irish media and it's down to that my colleagues uh, in Ireland the, 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 the day-to-day guys who are covering this story um uh, for what they did to keep this alive and keep this story in the public mind because people were ignoring it. But all the, all the time behind the scenes, there's the diplomatic and there was the police uh, moves being made. And then eventually it all came together in a perfect storm and we saw it being, um, <clears throat> being announced in the City Hall, which is an extraordinary piece of, of symbolism because um, this was the of their birth, uh, Christy Senior, Christy Junior and Daniel. And this is the city that they terrorised. Uh, and it was spectacular, that the most powerful nation in the world. And somebody speaking on behalf of the most powerful person in the world, uh, the President of the United States, was saying, you know what, Daniel, you can run, but you can't hide
3: that's what's I do wonder is, is Biden being involved in the close link that Biden has with Ireland was that all important in just getting to the point where it was like okay we're ready to row in fully behind this whole thing one, one last question and, and um, answer this as fast or as, as long as you, as you want but how did they actually get so big what was the what's the bit that takes them from uh, being <coughs> important in the streets of Dublin to the bit where they're actually on the radar for multiple police forces at the same
0: time <coughs>
5: Well, Christie Senior was a classic, what we call a criminology an innovator or an entrepreneur. He was an exceptionally intelligent guy, exceptionally ambitious, uh, clever, conniving. He was a glorified con man, basically, as well. um, Could speak several languages. Um, he went to Holland uh, in the 90s. He start, it really starts in the 90s. Like I started writing with this guy in the 90s. Uh, I've written a couple of books where he's featured very heavily, himself and John Cunningham, for example, who was another major organised crime figure. They got together in the late 90s. I'll tell you when they got together. They got together um, around 96. When John Cunningham did a runner from Ireland and John Gilligan uh, uh, out through the country. And John Gilligan put him with Kinnehan. And from there on, they went into business. Kinnehan comes back here to Ireland. He's caught... Um, for an outstanding fraud charge. <clears throat> He's put in prison, and that's when we see, the, for the very first time, this guy, Daniel Kennell. Daniel started coming to see the father in 99, uh, 98, 99, uh, to Portleigh's prison. <clears throat> and that senior, Christie Senior, Christie Senior actually was doing a degree in, at the time, and he stayed in prison uh, until he finished his open university degree. As you do, uh, it was in environmental health, if I, cor- if I correctly recall. Um, and while he was inside, J- John Cunningham started building a huge business. And there was a humongous um, increase in, an incredible increase in demand for recreational drugs. First it was hash, then it was in the noughties. Right through the noughties, it was cocaine. Um, and that's what led them. And it was cleverness. And I remember having documents in my possession uh, back in the early noughties when, Kinahan got out of prison, about his connections to the UK, he became a huge supplier of coke and other drugs to the UK, and that became a big thing as well, because he, UK, remember, have Kinahan very much in their sights, and have done for many years, and that's why Barmer Clark is now a guest of, uh, 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 residing, at Her Majesty's pleasure in in for quite 21, 30 years. So, ultimately over time, they just built, and built, and built. And what happens, though, in the end, what brought them down was hubris and arrogance like always. Mm. Daniel Kinahan took over from daddy and he screwed it up. And you know what? He, he still had to go back down to being a folk on the street. Fell out with Gary Hutch. Gary Hutch tried to shoot him. He didn't deal with Gary Hutch. Not to kill Gary Hutch. He took totally a done that. He killed Gary Hutch. And then war, war, hell broke out. Remember one other thing. 16 people out of the 18 people murdered in the Kinahan-Hutch feud, those murdered were ordered by Daniel Kinahan. And that can't be forgotten. So I think one thing I'll predict today uh, is that Daniel Kinahan will spend the rest of his life in a cell, Irish prison, Paul and Williams. he can forget about all his all his ambitions for boxing glory.
3: Paul, we leave it there. Thanks, manager, for joining us this morning. Cheers. Uh, Paul Williams there giving us some of the background to the big story that has been unfolding this week. A reminder, OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. It's uh, eight minutes, nine minutes past eight this morning. Pack show still to come. Up next, we're going to hear from the great Tommy Walsh. Uh, in the middle of our break, though, stay tuned because you're going to hear from this week's Koi Gig pod with Kathleen McNamee and Karen Duggan recording right off the back of Ireland's one-all draw with Sweden. Thoughts were already moving on to future games and how the team can right their current main weaknesses, including a proper attacking performance. OTB AM It's 12 minutes past eight here this morning on OTB AM. You'll have heard in the ads there a clip from this week's Koi Gig pod. You can get the full thing in all the usual podcast places. The latest iteration of the WSL team of the season so far. A chat with Sue Ronan, the former Ireland manager who's now a FIFA women's football technical consultant. And of course, analysis and reaction of Ireland's historic one I'll draw with the Swedes. The Koi Gig pod on OTV Sport is in association with Cadbury FC, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team. Now, we're turning our attention to hurling and, yeah, it's the middle of April and the championship is starting. Uh, Tommy Walsh, good morning to you. What are you looking forward to the most?
2: Yeah, good morning, Jerry. Jerry, good morning, Johnny. I um, suppose, yeah, it's so early, Jerry. Um Usually, when we played our first round the championship, it was the first week in June. So you're talking about, you know, two months before and a whole different type of hurling. Um, now, the one thing that is... I suppose still constant. They're heading down to Parky Quive. There's down there. 40,000 people expected down there. I wasn't at a Munster Championship game until I retired from hurling, And it is a great occasion. Walking down the streets um, from parking it up about two miles away from the ground, down the hill, down into that lovely setting where you can just see the crowds and crowds spilling into Parky Cueve. The newsstand is amazing. They got a lot of heat at the time for spending so much money on it. But isn't it great to have it? Uh, isn't it great to have it like for, for the future of promoting our sport, promoting hurling? So I can't wait for. For, for the game uh, for Limerick and Cork uh, this Sunday, it's going to be epic, Jer.
1: Just, just on that, Jer, sorry, like, they got heat about Parky Cueve. Like, the, the, the ground, the, the facilities in this country in general are so, so far behind. Like, Park, how many modern stadiums do we have? Why is it not a good thing that you build a stadium as modern as Parky Cueve? Well, I suppose. And obviously fund it then properly afterwards.
3: Ask the Cork footballers about that because uh, they have to get Ed, Ed Sheeran, Sheeran into yeah. play and they're not going to be able to play uh, Kerry there. So. Our,
1: our grounds are a joke in this country. Like, our grounds are an absolute joke. Like, you you go all around the country, even the top GA grounds, they look like something from the 1960s in communist Russia. Like, they're, they're <laughs> miles behind. Like, I don't get it, Tommy. Like, I, I, I and, and you, you can go to this brand spanking uh, stadium in Parky Cueve that should be not an outlier, but something that we should aspire to in several counties.
2: I would like to money, uh, Johnny, as well, it? You know, we are a small country. There's more than just hurling. You, have, you know, you know, there's rugby, there's horse racing, there's, soccer so there's so many sports and it's the same people kind of playing most of them Johnny
0: mm.
2: so I think that's the reason but I think there is a lot of good work if you look at the club grounds around the country Johnny I think the facilities and it's all to do with being practical the, the facilities around the country now for, for practical use I think are amazing there's turf pitches going in at the moment so this isn't something that will be used once a week or once a month or once a far or you know once every couple of months these are grounds that will be used for people to get out of their houses every day of the week. So yeah, there might be these huge stadiums, but I think practically there's, there's magical, magnificent pitches, facilities, all to do with the GA uh, around the country, and it's leading to you know there's walkways. We uh, there's a walkway in Tullerone that was probably ahead of their time, um, you know because people at that time were walking the road still. Why would you just spend so much money? kind of a boring walkway around your GA facility. Mm. Now it's being used by everyone from young people to old. So I, I take your point, but I think money is probably you know, the big, mm. big thing there, Johnny.
3: No, I take are dead right. Let's, let's get on to the, the hurling itself then. So um, what's the truth about both Cork and Limerick? There are big questions that we don't know the answers to about both teams at the moment. Let's start with Cork. Uh, we had Pat Horgan on the show a couple of weeks ago, maybe just even last week at this stage, and he was relatively happy it seemed with where things were not that they'd forgotten about the All-Ireland Final or indeed the League Final it was like this is a journey we're on and we need to be ready when the Championship comes and that wasn't Championship Championship starts next week so they took lots of positives from the League campaign what did you take from it?
2: Yeah I think for Cork probably just the unlucky thing for them is they're playing the All-Ireland Champions they're playing a team that has won so much they so many trophies in the Cabinet So they're playing a seasoned outfit with plenty of confidence and now a freshness after being laid off for the last six or eight weeks. That's the unlucky thing, I'd say, for for me, for for Cork, Um, what would I take out the lead for Cork is that they're doing a lot of things well. You know, they're fast. They're well able to play with the ball. If they can just sort out the conceding of goals and even scores. So now this has been probably what they have needed to tighten up on for 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 a long, long time, that's brilliant going forward is that when they don't have the ball, they need to get into tackles. And I did see a big improvement in that in the early parts of the league. And it wasn't even so much, I think, their intensity in the in the league final that, that conceded so much. It's just that they were a bit porous at the back that they weren't tracking back. So the intensity in tackle, I think, was still there, Gerrard, in, in the league final. But I think they just weren't tracking back enough, covering for team So I think if... Like the scores was a four twenty to one twenty three. They score a lot in that uh, league final. It's just the conceded goals, and the same with Wexford uh, against Waterford in the semi final. There's no old saying your goals are in matches, but also if you concede goals, you lose matches. So I think if they can fight up and defend as a unit, and that's from fifteen back to two, as opposed to just defending your own man, your own mark, your own guy. I remember when we were youngsters going into the Kenny panel, uh, Peter Barry said to JJ Delaney, don't ever forget, when you look around, I'll always be beside you. That's a huge thing for, for a young person to hear that. It just gives you a confidence to go and attack the ball. Uh, Listen, if my man does get the ball, my teammate, that send her back. Or, and Peter Barry would, would have been a much respected figure at the time. I'll be there for you. So if they can take on that kind of an attitude that if you're a midfielder, you can track back. And, and, and although... It, like you'll stop a goal at that particular time when the play runs out you might be there to just cover off a ball going into a wing forward after making a run it mightn't be picked up in the Sunday game it mightn't be picked up on on any podcasts any media Monday morning but you know that you saved a goal opportunity and that's the if they can
3: we're we're just having some we're trouble with your we're just you having know. some trouble with your line there, Tommy. We're going to we're going to pull that line and ring you back and and uh, try and fix it. It's nineteen minutes past eight, and we're previewing the start of the hurling championship, which is uh, as Tommy said this weekend a couple of months earlier than usual. It's mad,
1: isn't it? Yeah, I, I have to be yeah, to be reminded. Um, as we're saying, going to the game Watford, and my mates were like, "Why don't you stop in in Wexford on the way back?" It is. It's a strange one, yeah, but um. It'll uh, it's, it'll be great to see Porky Queef even because, as you mentioned, um, yeah, they, they 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 do need sport in the ground. Um, that, that's just going to be an amazing atmosphere at that game, I think.
3: Uh, Patrick Campbell says, "Good Friday is in the amber. It's just a grand Friday." Yeah, stay off for most people though that uh, that kicks it into the good
1: it's strange as a, jur- like as a journalist um, all the like bank holidays never meant anything to me I was always kind of working anyway and like I, I had to be reminded constantly that it was actually Easter weekend at all
3: because every day is the same really when you're a sporting journalist uh, Shifty Lad asks why do pundits like Simi on a dirtbag football and cheating and acting the maggot not for me all of those reasons
6: that's why we just, like
4: him. Yeah,
3: like it's just you know
1: sometimes you you know I mean I, if I were playing against him obviously I'd want to kick I, him as well. I do also like
3: the fact that Atletico Madrid are carved and built in the shadow of Franco's Real Madrid. Absolutely, it's Real Royal Madrid. It's like we are the kings. We take everything. We own everything. And when we run into trouble, we do sweetheart deals with the government to get us out of mm. all of our debts. And all the time. Atletico Madrid have been the team of the Madridistas the actual people who live in Madrid and I've been to a game there it's a cracking cracking atmosphere
1: it's a great vibe on the ground and um, yeah I'm no doubt it'd be better than the Bernabeu to watch a game
3: Alright we do have uh, we've reconnected with, uh, with Tommy this morning Tommy we were talking there about um, the defensive structure that the Cork maybe the structure is the wrong word application that they need for this game against Limerick can you turn that around when you've just been humiliated the way they were in the league final in the space of two weeks against a team as good as Limerick
2: yeah, I think so. I think because it's a small thing. Um, they don't want to go around changing around their team a whole lot. They don't have to change around game plans a whole lot. It's basically just getting into your defenders and midfielders the, the psych that you have to defend uh, as well as attack. And, um, you know, a diving block, a diving hook, that's what cool win you all earn. We've seen Paddy Mar doing it for Tipperary. We've seen other players, JJ Delaney doing it for Kilkenny. We've seen Tyrone doing it in all Ireland final you know diving blocks diving hooks these type of things tracking back that's what can win you all Ireland's that's what can win you monster championships and uh, I think it's a small thing but a major thing
3: we got Hegarty on during the week as well and he was not at all concerned about the league form we were talking about last year's league form when they were kind of not a million miles away from this year's league form they won a couple of games last year alright in fairness but it was different there was you know, um, I don't even remember if there was any crowds there were some crowds but there wasn't the full crowds and like they were narky last year in the league as well they were narky this year in the league he said the narkiness was because you're just a little bit behind where you feel like you need to be but we will be ready come championship and we just have to trust that they will be ready because they've shown us three out of the last four years that they, they get ready for the right time of the year
2: yeah, they do. They do. And they probably get ready all the time. It's just that they're, they went back so late this year, maybe their fitness and that, one, and their, you know, a ball to hand, which is such a, an important part of their game plan, wasn't up to speed. But I think mentally, they're probably always up for every game. So that's what lends it to that they don't just uh, switch on, switch, switch off during Championship games, dear. Um I think this league is after really playing into Limerick's hands. John Kiley, I'd say, was rubbing his hands while all the attention was focused on the negative aspects of their play, of their, you know, preparation in the league. I'd say he himself and we were rubbing their hands with Lee because Championship is, is what it really is all about. They have the titles in their bag. They're not a team that's just trying to, you know, win, get the psyche of getting over the line which maybe Watford and, and Cork needed to do, this Limerick team has done it. So it's all about preparing for a championship for them. They take the Munster Championship really, really seriously. They're going for four in a row this year. They're going for, you know, a three in a row of All-Irelands. So, like, it's, it's, it's like, if you were in the Limerick dressing room, I could just imagine it. All that you've won, and the whole country talking about how you play on the edge, how, um, how, you know, how Watford are now the team to beat... Like it must be just, I'd say the freshness, I'd say that there's not, not a sense of complacency in that dressing room. I think the whole country is after feeding into that and helping Limerick.
1: There, yeah, There must be a lot of challenges there as well, because like, obviously, you know, when, when you raise the bar like Kenny did, other counties basically try to emulate you or better you, and Limerick, like a horse train for Cheltenham, like, you can't just keep producing a team year in, year out who are ready for the league and ready for the championship at the same time, so, like, it, does it get harder with every year to, like, because Hurling obviously evolves c- quite quickly as a game as well, does it get harder for them to say, well, we want to do, we want to go again this year, do we tweak something?
2: yeah I think Johnny and Wood if they had had a decent league campaign but maybe this is the way it was planned from, mm. from John from Caner that listen let's let's you know just ease ourselves back into the league next minute a few defeats come around next minute the whole country is on their back they're building up Cork. They're building up Waterford Nobody's even talking about Limerick. Even coming into this weekend, everyone's wondering, where are Limerick? No one has a clue. We haven't seen them for six weeks. They're off in Portugal in a training camp. And you know, I was listening to that interview with Gerard Hegarty, Gerard herself, like, like, mentally, they are They're very well prepared. They're, they're in a great position. And um, they, 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 I think Carolyn Curran has a very a important part to play in that group. She keeps them all level-headed. And... I think it's just going to be massive and uh, I can't wait to see, um, you know, I can't wait to see, we talk about Limerick playing the edge, they're going to play in the edge on Saturday night and I can't wait to see it. Uh,
3: he, he did us the day after he'd done the uh, written lads and uh, on the morning before we actually spoke to Grodd Hegarty, he spoke about his team being compared with your team and how uh it didn't feel right just yet that they didn't have enough All-Irelands to be able to get to that point but um he kind of dodged my question about whether or not history was important to them but it clearly is it, it it definitely is a motivation that they they have an opportunity here to be an all-time great team and to get close to you guys and to hoover up All-Irelands the way you did do you sense similarities between your group and this group just even when you were talking there about the whole country is saying they play on the edge I was like it uh, reminds me of something there Tommy <laughs> there's something there in, in your own history about that
2: yeah no I think they're very much the same really to be honest like everything that you hear coming out of their camp is everything that would have went on in our camp Um, like if a lad sneezed across the across the room you'd nearly take it as a slight and you'd use that as a you know as a try and you know um, prove them wrong so you just use everything I think the more you win the more you have to use and when you're champions you're up there to be you know they're throwing darts at them like and that's just feeding into their like if, if everyone told Limerick they're a great team and they've nothing to prove to anyone where do they go from then then I'd say I'd agree with Johnny it's hard to go up for every game if the whole country like if now about this guy playing on the edge that guy playing on the edge like they're not going to be listening to it but they will hear it so um, while they won't maybe acknowledge it publicly I'm sure deep down even if they don't acknowledge it in their own team setting they will uh, want to prove people wrong if Their own Hegarty will Love nothing better than to prove people on next like Saturday night Despite
1: all what Tommy says there's still basically odds on or even money to win the All-Ireland so the bookmakers are saying it's, checked, it's, it's quite yeah, it's quite straightforward it's 50-50 Limerick win the All-Ireland or it's someone else. else wins it so which which side are you on Tommy?
2: Yeah well, I think so, Saturday night or Sunday against, uh, between Cork and uh, Limerick there's going to be a huge battle uh, I look at the, the the four guys Kyle Hayes who was supposed to be doubtful with injury and then the half-hour lane. Garrod, Hegarty, uh, uh, Keane Lynch and Tom Marcy. They're the four pillars of this Limerick team. They're brilliant players all over the field, but they're the pillars. Take down one, two of them pillars and you can get at this Limerick team. Keane Lynch is supposed to be carrying a nickel or two. I'm looking at Cork, like how are they going to come up against them? They'll probably put maybe... A ball, play, a ball player on, on Kyle Hayes or someone maybe just keep him out on the sideline. If you know it's Kyle Hayes where he the team, he doesn't move a lot from where he lines out on number seven uh, left wing back. He goes up and down that line. So I would see someone just standing out in that line beside him, just tracking his runs or maybe taking him on, going down that sideline. You won't be going left across the field into the full forward line. you will just stay in that field, side of the field if Kyle Hayes is playing and keep him out of the game. That's one way that Cart can be Limerick this weekend the other way is I think they'll put Millerick back centre-back on Keane Lynch and get him to follow him. there were two powers in the All-Ireland final there were two powers um, in the league final so I think they'll put Millerick back centre-back he'll follow he's a great man Mark. he's as tough as nails and um, I think then you know Mark Coleman just hover around the centre and, and clean up balls so I think that's where they will try and attack Limerick I think Limerick are the favourites for the All-Ireland in my view they deservedly are I think they will win it but um, there'll be a lot to you know, Cork will have a lot to say
3: about this uh, The point you make as well about uh, we're, we're all talking up Waterford and we we're, we're all kind of want Waterford to reach a level where they're going to be able to go toe-to-toe with Limerick. Part of that is because we want to see Limerick pushed to the absolute pin of their collar to see how great they can be and see where they can take that because that didn't happen in last year's All Ireland final. But I think the other thing about Waterford is that, like, they have been building and their age profile is really excellent and they now have strength in depth and it's different strength in depth from their perspective than we've seen in recent years so they should they should believe they're legitimate all Ireland contenders you know that whatever journey they're on there are there's a strong case to be made that this is a year where they could peak and and legitimately go toe-to-toe yeah and Jared, it's,
2: it's amazing how small things can change things like this Watford have not won a game since the Munster Championship has been to a round-robin series. They have not won a game. Uh, I think they've only got one point and that was off Tipperary. Remember the time of the Austin Gleason goal? Um, The the goal that was or was they got one point off Tipperary that year. I don't think Tipperary even beat anyone that year. So Watford's experience uh, in this round-robin series has been terrible. So they have a lot to prove uh, this weekend when they take on Tipperary. Um, and another interesting point from the league chart is that Tipperary were beaten by Dublin. Um, I think it was two two sixteen to twenty one points. They were beaten by a point uh, down in in Semple Stadium. If Tipperary had to beat Dublin that day, which normally you would expect Tipperary to be down their own patch, Watford around the league it would have been Kilkenny and Tipperary would have went through on eight points. And we wouldn't probably be talking about Watford. Uh, like, Watford drew Antrim. Uh, Tipperary beat Antrim 729 to maybe, you know, 18 or 19 pints. So this weekend, I think, is the most important game for Watford in the last two or three years. Barney All in the final, obviously. But this is the one. If they can win this, like the, the old saying Irish, is two smart Latin and a Good start half the battle. This is key for Watford. If Watford don't win Saturday against Tipperary, and this is a Tipperary team that had, hasn't been doing as badly as people expected. Albeit they're missing Callinan and Bubbles is out, Paddy Mars retired, Brendan Mars retired. They still have a serious, serious outfit. And down on Melch Park in a tight field, anything can happen. Uh, Tipperary have the added hunger. I heard it not the other day, but hunger, in my view, is a massive thing. Huge thing. And I think they'll have a massive hunger. Albeit uh, only a part of a game plan, but albeit I think a very significant one and I think the mentality of Tipperary there's no pressure on them all the talk is on Waterford I think will be huge going into it this weekend and you know if there's any upset I'd say of this, this weekend it could be Tipperary versus Waterford
3: Right okay because like um, we've been certainly talking about Liam Cal as one of the best managers in the country and this so it, it, it sounds like you're talking about a potential ambush here where we expect Waterford to win at home against the Tipperary team who are weakened but I suppose the Munster Championship is littered with and like Tipperary being underdogs against Waterford is kind of ridiculous when you think about it in a historical context as well
2: yeah absolutely and like I heard the Brian Cody say before in an interview Tipperary don't go away and they don't they're traditions they're a big hurling county they'll stay producing hurlers they won 221s and we just haven't seen them um, transition to this senior team so listen it's it's, it's going to be interesting this weekend um
3: just gone sideways there, Tommy. Yeah, <laughs> did that plenty it, when he was playing as well. It's the Tipperary lads getting in saying, "Don't be giving the game away that we're we're back." Um, I want, I definitely want to ask him what he makes of uh, Leinster and uh, uh, how far off um, Galway are in particular. I suppose just about to move on to that. It's half four on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, potentially the game of the weekend. Yeah, uh, the other, the oh, I see the monster hurling championship. It's it's heresy to say that anything is ever as good as the monster hurling championship, but. Uh, uh, Tommy Wexford and Galway on, on uh, Saturday afternoon Johnny particularly interested in this one um, this this has the potential to be the game of the weekend and you're talking about the biggest game for Waterford like if if Wexford get off to a bad start that championship could be blown for them if Galway get off to a bad start that championship could be blown for them
2: yeah uh, 100% uh, this is a, this is a big one um, the way I look at this Wexford versus Galway game Jer, it's the new managers It's the new, basically, two new managers in their first year. And the way I look at it, it's new systems versus new players. And post-show canning for Galway as
1: well, Tommy. Like, this is, it's like the start of a new era almost.
2: It is. Like, there's a huge amount of players over the age of 30 in last year's campaign, Johnny. But this year, they're after after trying out a huge number of players uh, in the league. And can them players step up along with the the Garold McInerneys and the Dahi Burks? That will be the question for Henry Shefflin. Will they answer it this weekend when, they, when the heat comes on? Usually, when you're bringing in new players like that, it takes a couple of years, along with a new manager, to see who you can trust, see who we can play in certain positions. So, I think for these new players, they, they had a, a good league, in fairness. Uh, Tom Monaghan is starting to make regular appearances. You know, when they played in the league, Wexford beating 2 215, I think, to 15 points, but Conor Beelam is missing that way for Galway. So, it's going to be a huge weekend for, for Henry Sheffield and all them new players. Um, you have Glennon, you have Hastings. Um so they had fantastic league campaigns, but can they produce it now in, in the championship will be the key. For 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 Darren, his Wexford team, uh Johnny. I think there's there's a huge change from the system they played last year to this year. We've seen them having like won all their games in in their regular games in the league, but suddenly then they can see five goals in the semi-finals against Water. I think that's because the defenders weren't used to defending possibly one-on-one. They were used to defending maybe in groups so that you only had to break down the ball for the sweeper. Mm. You have two sweepers, three sweepers. Now they're nearly mostly one-on-one. Now the the joy for the forwards then is suddenly they're one-on-one with their players. So that's why you're seeing Mario O'Connor having a fantastic league campaign. He's really after you know growing up this year. So I think if they can... Concede like what, like um, car If they can stop conceding goals, they have a huge chance again against Galway this weekend.
3: It'll be a fair old atmosphere as well. Yeah, it should be great. Um, give us your predictions then for the weekend: Wexford against Galway.
2: Um, Wexford.
3: Just last question on Galway, right? Uh, the the player turnover it's either a brilliant idea if it works or it's too much too soon if it doesn't. And the truth is obviously always in in the middle somewhere. Are you surprised that that they have tried so many so quickly or is that exactly what Galway really needed?
2: I think it's what Galway needed for for the long-term future, especially. And even now, like, see, all the great players are probably growing all together. You go go to look at Alex Ferguson, he's over Manchester United. They're always looking a year or two or three years down the line. Brian Cody was with same with Kenny, so I'll be it. Listen, the fifteen best players could be the fifteen oldest players, but if you're one to look to, to the future, well then you have to start feeding in the young players because they'll only learn from playing with the with the more experienced players. So I think it is the right decision. Like he hasn't landed any bombshells, he hasn't dropped the fella that. Everyone is kind of saying Why is this person dropped He should be on the team I think it's a natural progression For this, this Galway team Like they haven't been producing it in the last two years It'd be different if they were Coming off the back Of two good campaigns Ger, But I don't think they have So I think It's more a natural progression For this Galway just, team Just then. briefly
1: on that the, time, like the last two times Galway played Limerick In the Championship It was extremely close why Galway having Like arguments that An awful lot went against them Or they didn't perform on the day So I don't think they have Any real fear of Limerick At the same time Different team now though. It's, it's a different point. team But yeah. like it's, 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 it's essentially the same like apart from Joe Canning it's a lot of the same um, kind of players in the spine of the team
2: yeah but I think it'll be a smaller team Johnny mm. uh, Dahi Burke, he'll be full back you know I'd imagine Garrod will still be centre back but up, far, up forward then like like so Nile Burke was huge as in physically f- physical player as well as, as a huge player on the, on the big occasion Joe Canning was a big player so they've lost you know Johnny Glynn so going back to that all Ireland successful winning team like they've lot of, lost a lot of physicality so it's a new type of a. Mm. a, a I remember after the, when they all earned it, in 2017 we went up to, to Peter Stadium to play them up in, in Galway and we went towards them for a while but then they just took over like a team at the peak of its powers so that team was at Conor Cooney that team was at the peak of its powers back then now it's not it's, it's, so they're new smaller players so they'll have to play a different brand of hurling more clever they won't be able to just launch it up and win it and score goals that was a great goal scoring team Johnny, mm. back then the team, I would imagine due to their size that would be more a scoring team I think
3: alright just to quickly go through the Munster uh, predictions it sounds like you're tipping Tipperary to beat Waterford are you?
2: ah no I won't because I, what, I, I'm just saying there could be an ambush as you said Ger. there could be a shot I'm just saying don't write off Tipperary you can't write off any temporary team they always produce good hurlers their club, their, their club campaign their, is, is always uh, hugely competitive they always produce stars they still have like John McGrath scored he scored 1-3 or 2-3 against Antrim I know it's the, it, was, it was the last game of the league and there wasn't a lot riding on it but still when you're producing 7-29 that's a massive score Jason Ford like is in you know, the peak of his powers at the moment, Mike Green is is going well, so Ronan Marr, like, so some of them players are going to stand up, so I'd say, don't write him off, but Wofford deserve huge credit, they've been consistent, so, they're they're, they're not just on and off, they are, have been consistent, they've been in the last two semi-finals. Um so, listen, a motivation for them will be to try and get their first, win in, in the round robin series since it started
3: ok and then Cork Limerick is it a Limerick win by uh, close yeah. or is it a, a Limerick easy enough win and that's a setback for Cork what do you think
2: yeah no I think it'll be huge because I think Cork will learn from that league final and I think they will uh, learn how to you know they, they won't they'll defend more as a unit than, than individuals I'd expect them they would have heard the noises uh, like every anyone in with a pair of eyes could have told them that and they would have seen that themselves so I think they will learn from that league final but I think Limerick uh, will be too strong for them on the night and the day
3: Alright and Tommy I know you wanted to give somebody a shout out this morning
2: Yeah so a big shout out the Higgins brothers up in Valley Honest, uh Jerry in in, in Mayo uh, the Harness GA club Frank Brown they've done huge work to raise awareness for um the motor neuron disease over the last couple of weeks. If anyone types in Hurling for Hope into Google, they will see what it's all about. But they, they've done huge. The solar runs 100 kilometers uh, in a couple of days there a few weeks ago. But they're, they're raising huge money. But more importantly, huge awareness for the, for the motor neuron disease up there in, uh, in Mayo. But I'd also like a shout out, Jer. Uh, it just brought me back to a funny story when I was up in Turin a great GA club hurling club up in, in Mayo a couple of years ago I was presenting medals and um, just talking to the locals anyway and happened to be talking to one fellow in particular and uh, he was just asking me about the club and how it was going and you know I was just saying listen it's this, this going alright but I hadn't won a, a senior championship you know and I said to him "Oh, um, about yourself did you win any yourself because uh 24 of them <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> oh. so I'd like to just give a shout out and maybe going forward I might give a shout out most weeks but this week a big shout out to Joe Henry so he's from the Turin Hurling Club up in Mayo 24 senior championships he has Hurling I think he could even have a football one as well he has a 10 in a row done he has a 7 in a row done a 3 in a row and he has 2 2 in a rows uh, (laughs) I remember I I went back to Kenny training the the following night whenever we were training and I just said to Brian, Brian Cody, and um, I just said, uh, geez, I was talking to a lad <laughs> the other night, I said, he has a fair few county championships, you know. And he said, uh, how many does he have? I said, 24. Uh, and he goes, where is he from? I said, uh, Mayo, Joe Henry. I said, Joe Henry. So he said he played railway cup and everything. I think he has a couple of railway cups. He was on All-Star Tours. Brian Cody said he was unbelievable, hurled this guy. Right. So, uh, yeah, so a big shout out to Joe Henry and like to the guys, you know, I suppose when you're in the traditional counties, Durham counties or football counties, they forget about the pockets in the non traditional places and totally. like Toureen Ballion is a huge, huge hurling places. So big shout out to Joe and everyone up there. ah uh, good class. stuff. That's yeah, class.
3: absolutely. I can I can picture the scene of you sidling up to, to Cody going, I've got a story for you and he's like, Yeah, I know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Know My, him well. <laughs> <laughs> Move on.
5: <laughs>
3: Get out there and do some <laughs> training. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, good stuff. Thanks a million. Cheers. Yeah,
2: that's for my
3: boys. Right? this week's edition of uh, Tommy Walsh uh, goodness
1: He's just unbelievably class I should mention as well um, Dundalk are unveiling a charity jersey in aid of the motor neuron disease for a one-off charity game against Shells on April 22nd I I, I don't know you know obviously the, the struggles of Charlie Bird I think we're all moved by um, you know that disease and how horrific it is and um, it's great to see clubs like
3: Dundalk and obviously as Tommy mentioned there um, clubs making the fight against it Yeah you can uh, as you said Google Hurling for Hope and it's at Hurling for Hope on Twitter as well for all the details for that and the amazing piece that uh, was done in the Irish Examiner recently about the Higgins family and uh, motor neuron disease. I think it was Karen Shannon who wrote the piece. Uh, If if it wasn't, I'm wrong with that. Sorry, it was Christy O'Connor. It was Christy O'Connor who wrote the piece with Keith Higgins. Uh, Well worth your time to read that. Now, at 8.43, John Duggan is with us. John, good morning to you.
6: Ger and Johnny, how are we doing? Good morning, JD. How's the form?
3: Uh, my form was pretty good I, I was enjoying the, the antics of yeah. Atletico Madrid It's like a victimless crime really
6: Well you can stroll through the meadow And play beautiful football every day And that's lovely But sometimes you've got to go down a dark alleyway Which is where Manchester City were last night And they got out of it
3: That's, that's the other side of this Is that the City did come through it um, They barely came through it though They coughed up a lot of chances Like it, the, the internal monologue of City Where they must have a constant night a dark night of the soul in these big games it's still there it's right there for them and Real Madrid must be looking at that going thank you very much Atleti we understand now what we need
6: to do I think City will do better well last night I think this will stand to them and I still confidently predict they will win the trophy in Paris nothing original about that but if you're Guardiola you get on the phone to Thomas Tuchel I don't know what their relationship is like uh, but you then I just think that they've got a better midfield than They're Real vastly superior to Real Madrid you know Real Madrid's midfield is creaking and I felt that it was just a very difficult place for City to go last night the pressure was on them uh, there were plays like Stones and Ake when he came off the bench and Fernandinho that really stood up like there was an act of thuggery really against Foden um, And we discussed.
3: Oh, there was at at, at the start of the game, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, and he he should have been. Two things should have happened. I think uh, there should have been at least a bit of booking for that. He got away with it. And I thought Phil Foden banged his head off the ground. Hmm. I thought, like, Phil Foden's head banged off the ground when he came down. Yeah. Like, they patched him up, Terry Butcher style. You're kind of thinking. Is there no? Is there no one like like, having a look there
6: and just checking to see? Still has issues with that remember Back Mm. to the Euros was it? And um, Benjamin Pavard from France Mm. still has issues around concussion. Uh, I just think City. This will stand to them, Uh, and I do feel it just depends on De Bruyne. Like how bad is the injury? Because he is so key to both against Liverpool. Year today and then last night, he's so key to what they do, and. Cancelo now suspended for the first leg but I do think they're a better team than Real and even the fact that Chelsea nearly got through the Premier League's where it's at, lads um, the, 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 totally. the three of the top teams would have been in the semi-finals and Villarreal are just a uh, uh, a team that are very well managed and uh, with a lot of former Tottenham players, actually. But the other
3: thing I flicked over again to the to the uh, Steve McManaman was like, all due respect to uh, to Villarreal, but they're seventh in La Liga. Like, what are they going to do? Liverpool are going to be delighted with this. I'm like, all right, let's just wait and see what happens. McManaman's impossible to listen to.
6: Well, let's just wait and see what happens. BT's coverage, um, I do enjoy it and I do prefer it. I do watch BT. Uh, uh, for Champions League nights yeah I mean I do too uh, like, um, but, but, they, but, they, but they were they were treating it with the solemnity of um, like it was uh, we're, in, we're in wartime here you yeah know? exactly uh, like uh, the disgraceful scenes of the tunnel I didn't see any headbutts in the tunnel between Savage and Grealish I didn't see any uh, incident uh, to that extent
3: um, bizarrely monster it monster championship game if they think that's bad like, well I mean the, yeah the, the, uh, Cork, the Cork Clare Cork Waterford um I, it was funny that they didn't have any coverage of it like all of the coverage that you see on Twitter afterwards was coming from French stations and they actually had cameras in the tunnel I'm like you guys have paid a lot of money for
6: this yeah, you this know? is Atletico it could happen with all these things you plan for the contingency so. yeah well they knew it was
3: going to happen in the pre-match when Des Kelly was asking Guardiola like this is going to get fairly tasty and Guardiola was like that's why we have a referee and then the referee let everything go, <laughs> everything go for the first 25 minutes, like, this is going to, I'm not, normally I would be flicking up, flicking away, I would be on my phone, I'd check in the other game. You were engrossed. Yeah, it was like uh, a lot of negative feedback to uh, some of the viewpoints that we expressed earlier on uh, about it's Ultimately this. what you were looking for. No, it's not. It's not. Like, uh, you, you, you were, you, what you anticipated did you say earlier on? Uh, homage I, to I, I, like, I like I like watching it Letty I like watching stuff like this happen like i I was absolutely hoping that they would equalize to see yeah, what would happen that 's the point that 's the
6: point yeah i enjoyed it i I enjoyed the cauldron I enjoyed yes. the tension cauldron, I, I, yeah. I enjoyed the, um, the nastiness. I, yeah. I, like you know sport can 't be and I love Sunday I, Sunday was a fantastic uh, spectacle advert for the game, but it, it shouldn 't be that way all the time exactly it should be attritional it should be we have to fight to get out of this. And they did. And, and, and City never lost their discipline. And I really do feel that's going to stand to them um, if Guardiola doesn't start... Go mad with his with his brain, but I, I do think there's a more calm uh, attitude to, to City now. It's
1: a la- it's a Latin American thing
6: as well, JD. Like, in, you better be it, careful. How,
1: how, we, no, but, but, but in, terms of,
3: for this. in terms of in terms of it's not. It's, like,
1: it's it's a particular thing in some Latin American it's a style sports. of it's like, football. How far do you want to go? And like, how far can Suarez go to to win a game? And how
3: far is it ethically okay to do it? Well, and uh, Simeone's say, like whatever. But John Jardine would say, "Would you kill your granny?" Like that's mm. it's the same thing. I don't think it's a Latin American thing at all. I think it's like,
0: yeah, are you? Street
3: Fighter. I, I'm saying that in a, in, a, in, a, in a flattering way, by the way, as
0: well. Like well you, a, know. you know, I, mean, you I, I Kenny like Shields. it. Okay, fair yeah, enough.
1: Well, Kenny Shields'
3: discussion is on the way. Uh, uh, Gilroy is gas, says James Horn, and he doesn't mean it in a nice uh, way. He well, hates uh, he hates City so much he can't think straight. So it's fold and fall for the brawl. Uh, Cry laughing emoji sideways He was already wearing A head bandage from an elbow Then he got a kick Leading to a red card While Savage descends on him Like the red mist But it's Foden's fault Because he rolled onto the pitch Using a bit of Athletic gamesmanship Mad take Mad take Gilroy's gas Nice alliteration there To get us going
6: Would would the brawl have started If Foden Mm. hadn't rolled onto the pitch well, GR, when you're not here, there's a guy who goes, No Gilroy, no party. So, you know. It's <laughs> you, 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 actually me. <laughs> you, you know, you, so, you're, you're going to get it both ways. You're going to get both ways. I get, you know, I get. Every time I'm on this thing, I get slagged off, so don't worry about that. Uh, yeah, I, I do think it was Phil Foden's fault the brawl yeah. started,
3: and that's, that's incontrovertible. Like, if, if Foden doesn't roll onto the pitch cheating, then. Was he not caught? Foden? The brawl doesn't start. Was he not caught? He, he, was, he was caught off the pitch. He rolls off the pitch, circle, 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 circle. Oh, look, it's the perfect kind of like spinning top that spins back onto the field. (laughs) And then it's like, oh, the white line, perfect. And then Savage comes over and and takes him off, which is like, I mean, my point here is, Phil Foden did exactly the right thing trying to kill the game at that point. Yeah. But it's cheating. Yeah. The same way that everything Atletico do is cheating. And you can't be like, oh, Atletico, what a shower of scumbags. What did Phil Foden do? Exactly the same thing. Like, and so calm down.
6: Everybody. It was a bit like an old-style World Cup or European Cup game, which was great. And that's what you want sometimes. So, yeah, yeah, That's what you want because um, if it's Paris, if it's City, Liverpool will be just again like last weekend. And uh, there is inflation in the world and like the tickets for Man City Liverpool in Paris will be astronomical.
3: I've already booked my flight so
6: Good stuff, enjoy uh, Liverpool I didn't even watch it I, 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 I don't split screen it I, I knew Liverpool were already through So watch the highlights Firmino with a couple of goals like He made seven changes He's delighted And Klopp right, rightly So delighted that they're into the semi-final Who'll have the edge on Saturday For the cup semi-final um, West Ham uh, 1976 They were in the European Cup Winners Cup final They have a chance to get into the Europa League semis tonight A one-all um, tie with Leon that's poised at the moment going to France, uh, Rangers 1-0 down to Braga, ahead of their game at Ibrox very sad news from Colombia uh, Freddie Rincon, the former captain has uh, died in a road accident in Cali 55-year-old, played in three World Cups people might remember him scoring against West Germany in 1990, and he played for Real Madrid and Napoli at club level, so um, very sad um, Tiger Woods has come to Limerick for the J.B. McManus Pro-Am on July the 4th and 5th at Adair Manor. It's a Monday and a Tuesday, so he's going to line out of that charity event, uh, that Pro-Am, alongside the likes of Rory McIlroy, Shane Lowry, Leona Maguire, Colin Marikawa, John Ram, Dustin Johnson, and celebrities including Mark Wahlberg and Niall Horan. So uh, Tiger and JP renewing their relationship. They've, uh, he's been there three times in the past and back again. All right. Wow. Um, just to let you know Leon McGuire and Stephanie Meadow one under par after the first round of the Lottie Championship in Hawaii five shots off the lead and uh, we're on air one to six Saturday on off the ball on News Talk and on OTB Sports Radio for Munster Exeter commentary three to five we also football Saturday the earlier time to half one and then on Sunday one to seven including the paper review reporters at Cork Limerick Waterford Tip and uh, West Ham Burnley commentary lots.
3: alright sounds good uh, Johnny's going to make it back for that he has promised you where are you going Johnny? I'm um, going to Watford. Obviously, going to the
1: RSC for a top of the table clash between Watford and Galway. United. Do you have a driver? Um, he's he's driving the train. It's a train. It's a train. It's a it's a road trip on Good Friday. It's a train a rail trip on Good Friday. What can possibly go wrong? Um. Okay. <laughs> An awful lot. I, I, the RC is a really atmospheric ground. I'm looking forward to it. Um, like and new, the new Dell. The uh, new, new old Dell. It, it does have a running track around the pitch, but
3: despite that, it's actually it's a loud place. Looking okay. forward to it. Um, your Easter Sunday has been a, a big day in the calendar for you,
6: John. Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, people might have seen on Twitter, and I didn't expect this to go the way it did, but um, embarrassingly enough, so I, I kind of just had a bit of a reset physically on on, um, just walking every day and and just cut out everything from my diet that's pleasurable um, including booze chocolate cake chips burgers pizza uh, pizza everything was cut out from January the 1st just to lose a bit of weight and uh, it's worked and uh, it's I just maybe something that people should maybe look at once in a while if uh, you overindulge, as I have in the past. So uh, gonna enjoy myself for a couple of weeks. Not gonna go back to the way I was, where it's um, a completely comfort um, existence in this crazy job that we're in and privileged job that we're in. But uh, yeah, gonna enjoy uh, maybe a couple on Easter Sunday. And you must feel of of,
3: you must feel much better. Like yeah, uh, you know. It's been an incredible transformation.
6: Uh, yeah. Um, uh, like I, I was like this when I was younger. You know, I, was, I played a lot of football when I was younger. Um, but, you know, in this in this business, you, you, everything can sometimes be just convenient to you. And I do have a huge sweet tooth. And I do like um, socializing and going out for a few beers. So um, I do think it's important to reset once in a while for everybody just to... To, to get the bald body back in shape. So uh, it's funny you think, oh, I'm going to have less energy um, if you're eating less, but actually you don't. Sometimes you actually have more energy and I it. suppose it's a, I'm not going to go into a too, in too much detail, but the sugar industry, um, you know, the, the food industry does have a lot of people by the neck and uh, I do think, folks, it's worth resetting from time to time. So I'm not a moralist in any way. I'll be enjoying myself just as so much as everybody else. But I think uh, they do say that moderation is the best way. And I kind of have come to the conclusion that I agree with that.
3: Well, there you go. Uh, maturity comes late to all of us in life. And it <laughs> seems that uh, I'm, I'm still looking for mine. But well done, John. that 's a phenomenal achievement. Thank you. And enjoy your Easter Sunday as well. It's 8.54 this morning. And I'm delighted to say Phil Thompson is with us to look back at uh, the Champions League last night. Phil, good morning to you. How are
4: you? Good morning. Just listening to that load of absolute rubbish. I think it was Johnny talking about Atletico Madrid. It's anti-football. No. 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 So, oh, in your day. In so, your day. Don't so me started. Listen, I know and I can understand it takes everything to make a football match. Everything. But they crossed the line. They crossed the line time and time again. And I, I like things and everything. And Man City of an art of stopping the game when anybody's counter-attacking that is maybe dark arts but these take it beyond the pale and and they, they got to just his earth last night by, by not being able to score they just lose it and, and I'm, I'm sorry Simeone people say they love him I don't want to see him in the Premier League I think it would be absolutely he's he's Mourinho on speed
1: <laughs> the last time I was on with uh, Tomo um, I was warning him That Liverpool were by no means Certainties whatsoever To get over Atleti In the Champions League And Phil Thompson said no, no, no No worries whatsoever What happened, Phil? Atleti can pull it off In these games By their sheer shithousery Pretty much
4: <laughs> Yes, they certainly can And they, and they do it and They get there but it's horrible to watch mm. and I, I'm not I'm not a complete purist and I wouldn't we, <laughs> we did things sort of but it's nowhere near what they do and what they go through and it's not nice to watch at times some of the I didn't watch the game because I was at Anfield watching that but I heard all the stuff I heard arguing on the radio about people for people against and it's my opinion I, I, I do like the way City play I'd much rather have it what Fulton did I, I haven't seen it But he wrote back not the worst thing That's ever happened No what, Some of the things That Let's call Madrid do Is crossing that bad, Crossing the boundaries Of, of good football it, it's, it's, anyway. it's an
1: ethical thing Tomo isn't it though Because it's just if, if that's my football team And I'm the manager I would not ask them To do the things That Simeone Obviously gets them to do
4: Absolutely But listen those for me, when he was at Liverpool, he was a narc, he was horrible, he was this, but he was our narc. <laughs> <laughs> and you take everything that came. When he went to Barcelona, he was a demon. And mm. when he, when he, it, the way he treated our players in the first leg when we got beat 3-0 was absolutely dreadful. And I hated them for it. Mm. And it is, it's what you accept when it's your team. And, and I, it, I look at it, and I try and have a look at it, and I've, we've come up against Atletico Madrid... And it, that an absolute nightmare. It's funny. Off. Anyway, let's talk about proper football. Let's talk about. Well, well, talk about well but Manny
1: was taken off, you got to remember the first leg that, because they were trying to get him sent off, he was on a yellow, like, and it's,
3: that's, the way, that's the way they rolled. Well, I think it's. Uh, Jurgen Klopp talked about um, the heavyweight boxing fight that we saw at the weekend, and we all know styles make fights. So that was at the weekend. It was two amazing pugilists. This was Street Fighter versus Pugilist, and, <laughs> and sometimes it's good to watch those. Like, look, I, I mean. I would love to have seen what extra time would have been like. That was the the one thing when they had a chance fall to them in the 13th minute of injury time last night.
6: <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> which which in and of itself tells you exactly how mad things got, but um so you were at Anfield, right?
4: I wasn't at Anfield yet. So I didn't watch the um the, the box match. I saw,
3: I saw the the team and I was like there's just been a few weird results in Europe over the last twenty four hours. Maybe maybe he's made too many changes, but he it turned out he didn't.
4: Yeah, you can imagine you can imagine the chat in uh, in the, the sort of the rooms um, that I was in, and it, it's one of them. You go, Ugh. but you, you also realise as a coach. There's there's times when you think you can pick your games where you can give those players a rest when you know the workload, what's coming up. And I think at 3-1 in the first leg, if there was a chance for Jürgen to be able to do it, it was this one. Mm. He had the cavalry on the bench. um, He made seven changes. And it is when you think players are playing together, you haven't played for, for quite a while. It's not going And obviously that happened at times, particularly they kept getting through. Oh, and they gave it a good game it made for an exciting game at 3-1 you think it's done and they wouldn't lay down they, Benfica wouldn't lay down I don't know how many times the ball hit the back of our net it could be seven or eight times and you're waiting for the AAR they got a couple of goals they had a couple of disallowed it was uh, it was quite a rollercoaster.
1: It's pragmatic as well, though, Tomo, isn't it? Because like, I I've no idea how Klopp can get this, this Liverpool team. And there's obviously there's a small suggestion that Salah's well, it's not a small suggestion. it's a suggestion that Salah's form has dipped a bit. But like the the the, the 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 level of like games week in week out, midweek games, different competitions, and and the speed at the, the of the game at the moment that they still have to keep producing it. These players do like a rest is no harm to them whatsoever if you can get over the line.
4: Listen, I'm one of them. People say, oh, back in my day, we played 67 games. We never had rest. The game has changed, Mm. guys. We've seen it, the intensity, the challenges that get put in. You know, these these guys now have to be physical specimens to be able to perform at this level week in, week out. And it has changed, I'm I'm afraid, for for some of my ex-colleagues. They may be ah, rubbish, but it has and I look at some of these guys and what they put through and how quick a lot of it is, and it's it it is it's wonderful. So you have to manage the workload, and you hear about sort of recovery and then preparation all the time in games. Our, our sort of preparation for the next one was how many pints we'd have two days before the match.
1: What's acceptable and, for well, Liverpool now, Tom, in terms of what they win?
4: Listen. It's 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 going to be extremely difficult. Um, you look at the games. If there's a preference, I would love to win the league. If uh, and that's that is. But it,
1: um, you you'd, you'd pick the league over the Champions League.
4: Oh yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it, the league is the bread, but I want to see us win it in front of a packed Anfield. and that would be wonderful. When we won it a couple of years ago, it was the stadium was empty. They still made the most of it. It was a, it was a wonderful occasion that they produced. But I want to see it in a packed down field. So if I'd want to pick... Nobody's done the quadruple for the reasons which we're talking. It is so hard. You look at how good Man City or how good Liverpool are. You don't get people talk about it. But if there's one football club in the English league that could do the quadruple in the in, in the Premier League, it is Liverpool Football Club. With the power that is through with the power of the fans, the way this team plays, the squad that it looks... When I seen the team yesterday, you looked at the at the subs bench and you went, oh my goodness, how good is that? Mm. So what, that is giving us a good edge.
3: What, how important... Uh, or sorry, let me ask this question. Is there any other importance to the cup game than the cup game itself in terms of the psychology for the rest of the season? If, for example, Liverpool were to beat Manchester City, is there a possibility that that sets them back in the league or is it completely an individual competition, one-off match, and so therefore not relevant at all to anything else that happens.
4: No, you're right, it's a one-off match. Um, I think he's he's obviously focused on that when you've seen the team that he produced last night, uh, Jürgen, and I think it it is worth just trying to give them a rest because that's the next game and he's been able to do that. And then we've got Manchester United on the Tuesday, which is a huge game, which, you know, we'll, we'll all be scratching our heads if if, again, he makes lots of changes for the Man United because this is massive. And then we've got the Derby game coming up. So it's just, it rolls in one another. But take first things. I'm I'm looking forward to uh, the weekend. I love the way Manchester City play. It's going to be a proper game. Probably should have been three, maybe four one up at half time. Not having that strike force, So this will be a little bit more on level ground, playing at Wembley and I would think over the 90 minutes you'll see a better Liverpool team than what you did at the end Sorry,
3: I was going to ask is it the full full Liverpool team for the game against City at the weekend or is it Cuevin Kelleher and perhaps Simikas and maybe Salah on the bench and actually the Man United game just in, in the context of what you're saying the league is still right there for them and the Champions League with the draw they have you'd expect them to get through over two legs and so there's three games to win the Champions League the FA Cup, important, but not that important.
4: <laughs> it sounds great, doesn't it? Um, no, the, the FA Cup is that important, and that's the reasons why he has rested it. It's not only because it's the FA Cup semi-final, it's Manchester City. So you know you're up against And And if no disrespect to Manchester United and what's going on, what's happening there. It's still a massive game. But if he was going to make one or two changes... I would think it would be in the Manchester United. I wouldn't see wholesale changes as we've seen last night. But there might be one or two, might be carrying a knock. The likes of Matip, who finds it difficult to play sort of midweek um, weekend, midweek weekend all the time. It might be that. And Canate's looking at absolute dream. He's a wonderful player. So there's no problems making these changes. He's got and to prioritise to the Man United you know, game, though, Tomo. The what? Sorry? He's
1: got to prioritise the Man United game over the two. Sorry? Like, he's got to prioritise effectively... No, pri- I did Sorry, yeah. So, he's got to prioritise but, the Man United game it, over the Man City it, game.
4: No. The Man City game is, is the big game at the moment because uh, it's the next one. And it's a massive game because Manchester City, you need your best players playing to give you the chance at winning the game. I still love the FA Cup. Maybe it's not as important to the sort of the players of now or whatever, yeah. but to the fans and ex-players, it is a wonderful competition, and I'd love to see them. So he's managing that, and I know the Manchester United is huge, but take each game as it comes now, and you will realise, as he did with the Benfica, he was able to make those changes, and if the Man United game comes along, everybody's fit and healthy, it'll be his best team will play in that. All right. We're looking forward to it, Phil. Great to have you
3: with us. Thanks a million.
4: Cheers, guys. Take care. And at Madrid are a gang of rogues. <laughs> they obviously are.
3: They obviously are. We're That's not love about the lovable rogue. Lovable rogue, yeah.
4: Yeah. That, Good luck,
3: boys. Good luck. Phil Thompson there. Um, I, I, like, I do think that maybe at this stage of the season. That whole every game is a priority is is kind of it's true. Like, but it's uh, the roster is insane. How like how can they just keep maintaining these levels? It's well, next year there are going to be five subs, and actually, I think that's a disaster for. I'm not like, a fan of that either. But doesn't make any sense to um, me. Really, like if you're trying to make uh, the game, if you're trying to make it competitive at the top level, you're, uh, you're building helping, in having the better teams as well. Like yeah,
1: um, but yeah, like the, just the roster and um, like you're looking at the league and the likelihood is they're not going to win the league but at the same time as as Phil says I think most Liverpool fans would prioritise that over like as in they'd love to win the league and as he says with fans more than and they've had Champions League previous like they've won the league once and obviously there was no one there so I, I think he's probably right on that one but um,
3: well the Villarreal I mean notwithstanding how uh Steve McMahon was writing them off you would make them strong favourites to win that and then they're in the final in a one-off game against a team
1: yeah I I think that their best chance is is definitely in the Champions League over the league I mean statistically that's clear cut um, but I think they'd prefer also the league I mean the the position they've come from to have even a chance is incredible and uh, the league is still whatever about the FA Cup the league is still basically the main thing in England, to, to my mind anyway. It's probably for Guardiola at this stage. like, OK, we need to win the Champions League. But Liverpool, they know what it's like to win the Champions League. I think they'd love to win the league in front of fans as well. I think Tom was probably speaking from the Liverpool fans on that one.
3: Yeah, uh, it's definitely an, an interesting time. To the be, FA Cup is a different one. I, I, I don't really know where they stand on that. Um, well, I, think, I do think that it matters that it's at Wembley. And I do yeah. think that it matters that uh, it will be... I don't really believe in uh, one game to the next but they, they drew at the weekend and they drew last night mm-hmm. so it's like you know back to back draws but if they were to beat Man City your winning culture the atmosphere the mood the confidence is very yeah. very very high to catapult you into the rest of the season after that point Yeah, yeah, and, and, it's, and a, also it's a big setback for City exactly exactly so I, it's a double-edged like, sword d- but does that matter from um, f- to City in the league when they're playing you know cannon fodder I'm not sure
1: yeah, obviously it depends on what teams are picked in the game But um, it's it's a difficult one for Klopp Because I, I think he still has to prioritise The Man United game is To my mind, I think that's their toughest game in the run-in I think um, if, if Man United even represents well, a tough game yeah, I'm not yeah. sure. it depends. Um, I think that's still off think the top of my head And
3: City, City's toughest game I think is West Ham um, I think it looks like West Ham have completely prioritised mm, the, Europa the Europa League, league yeah, and They don't want to be in the Conference League next season So Right. OTBAM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish your day. You can get in touch, oh eight seven nine one eighty one eighty is the WhatsApp number. We have somebody monitoring that now for you, so uh you'll get an answer hopefully uh, you can also use the hashtag #OTBM. follow us on Twitter at OffTheBallAM up next Alan Quinlan previews this weekend's Champions Cup second legs we're going to see you after these short messages where you'll hear a clip from the latest Hurling Pod episode the Leinster and Munster Championships get underway this weekend former All-Ireland winners James Scale and Paul Murphy have been previewing both on this week's episode of the Hurling Pod alongside Willow Callahan. crucial meeting of Wexford and Galway on Saturday afternoon and they both feel it's going to play a big part in deciding who actually qualifies for the knockout stages OTB we have a brilliant Friday night racing coming your way tomorrow. Uh, Good Friday. We were back on the road for our first post-pandemic roadshow. Uh, it was all celebrating the fact that it's the 150th running of the Boyle Sports Irish Grand National at uh, Ferry House Racecourse over the bank holiday weekend. It was a special OTB show. Nina and Paul Carberry, Noel Mead, Robbie Power, Arthur Moore and loads more. We're looking back at some of their favourite stories and their favourite uh, racing memories from Ireland's most famous steeplechase, uh, that the race has produced over its more than one hundred and fifty-year history, at this point you can catch this across all of our social channels. Ahead of the boys' sports Irish Grand National on Easter Monday, uh, we will play a good bit of it out for you on the radio tomorrow evening from uh, seven o'clock, and loads more on our social channels. You got
1: to like, in terms of the role that the Irish National has had in Irish society, um, I think the my favourite sort of um, thing from the the uh, the history books is the Easter Rising. Um, that so many people were coming back from Ferry House including soldiers uh, that weekend because they were racing at Ferry House and that was the thing to do it was a society thing to do in Dublin at the time and they came back to uh, a revolution effectively but a lot of them just went to the races you know they went and that was like Ferry House is so close to Dublin Um, I was lucky enough to be involved in a runner in the race before I think he unseated maybe half the way around, but it's a great, great race to be involved in and uh, so much history. Um, Yeah, so bring it on.
3: And 150 to one shot won it last year, which gives everybody three-wheeling Dylan,
1: yeah. And uh, I spoke to uh, Francis Casey yesterday uh, for a piece. He's obviously Peter Casey's son. Um, He's a big, big runner in the race and um, you can just tell he is like what it would mean to him he's a local trainer as well um, he's only a handful of horses and that's what it's about it's like it's you know you want the small trainer to have a chance with a horse alright
3: well uh, we'll be back with a normal run of the mill Friday night racing next week but it's a special tomorrow playing a bit of that road show um, uh, it's really good stuff looking forward to hearing it on the radio tomorrow it's 9.15 uh, Alan Quinlan is with us to talk about the second leg of the Champions Cup this week and a bit more about Graham Rountree as well And that he's been confirmed Alan good morning to you how are you getting
0: on? Good lads, thanks and yourselves. The um,
3: the scoreboard showing the uh, actual score is a good idea that people have had across the week. You know, we're all going to have to use our mental maths to make sure that we know exactly what the crack is with it. But uh, the two legs has kind of worked out, I think.
0: Yeah, it has. I think uh, we obviously had a lot of issues during the in the pool stages um, with with COVID, and um, the whole format was questioned. Um, I think we the competition has come alive there's no doubt about it um, obviously for EPCR um changing the format was 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 driven by covid in the last couple of seasons and um uh, so much history attached to this competition um have we have had issues before with some of the french teams uh, some english teams probably when when they lose a game in the pool stages at home um throwing the towel in and stuff like that but this is exactly what people wanted um, the intrigue of last weekend was, was fantastic and, and right across the board, there was uh, top quality games and there was a bite and an intensity to them which everybody wanted and I think the competition really needed.
3: Uh, let's start by talking about Connacht, it's just because it's top of the head and we had Andy Friend on the show yesterday. Um, it, you don't want to patronise Connacht, right? But their performance against Leinster was excellent and nearly amazing. Uh, and they still, the, the the whole world expects them, maybe the exception of the, the team themselves, expects them to lose and to go out of the competition because they're minus five starting against Leinster at home. Um, but I, I think even with all of the conversations around Connacht, we still underrate the job that Andy Friend is doing at this stage. Is that fair?
0: Um, yeah, it is. I think um, it's probably... Um they haven't been consistent enough, I think. And that's probably the level they need to get to. They're probably a little bit underpowered in that, in that front five area. Um, and it does come against them sometimes when they're, they're playing bigger physical teams. Um, I think the way they play the game is is probably the only way they can. So that's why he's the right man for the job with Connacht. Um every team wants to have big bruising forwards to provide a a platform for you. Um, And, you know, it doesn't happen. You know, the depth in those areas, uh, ball playing, front rows, we see what, you know, Lenster, the depth they have in that that area and how it affects the the way they want to play and the impacts those guys have in the game, Um, having played in the back row. I always always had that thing in my head and it'll never change, you know. If you're a front five or, work courses they're making big impacts they're having um, physical power moments in the game it just makes your job easier right across the board with the with the players behind them um, so look I think he's done a wonderful job I think he's um, they're a very positive side to watch in the way they play um, their ambition is is second to none decision making really good um, and I think it's it's probably a bit frustrating that they're one kind of step away from really and I mean disrespectfully, competing with the big powerful teams and and you know, they've probably lost they've lost too many games in the URC. Yeah. They're in a position now where they they may not make Europe um, Well, just, just I like,
3: just want to talk about that briefly, right? Like We were talking about West Ham earlier and um, uh, they, they don't really have the squad size to compete on two fronts and it looks like they've completely prioritised Europe over the last four or five weeks as there's an opportunity for them to get into the Champions League next season if they win the Europa League. From Comic's perspective, it would, on the face of it, be kind of devastating not to be in the Heineken Cup considering here we are talking about the great performance in the Heineken Cup against Leinster. But is there a long-term world in which actually having one thing and all the eggs in the basket next year in one competition, really, uh, you know, I, again, you, you could not prioritise whatever the secondary European competition is. Is that is there any possibility that that might actually be better for them in the long run?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, you don't... It's hard to mentally kind of get into that situation where you would... I'm sure... Um, if they were, look, if they were in a good position during the URC and you know, looking like they would be in the playoffs and that they're going to qualify for Europe next year, they'd be very, very pleased with that. And then it would probably take off a little, take a little bit of pressure off um, the knockout stages of Europe. That anything after that is a bonus. So I think you've got to prioritize the league. Um, they're in danger of missing out on both, aren't they? You know, the, the, because they the don't have the resources. I suppose. Is, is yeah, I think. Yeah, it's depth. It's depth. It's depth, and it's particularly depth in that front, front five areas. Look, they've recruited very smartly. Um, you know, Mac Hansen has been a brilliant signing for him. I think. Um, you know that that that's the issue. for him. and Munster have similar issues with front row kind of resources. They're very hard to get top quality props hookers. Um, players who can play the modern game the way you need to play. So I think it's it's depth in those areas, and we've seen their set piece struggle this year. You know that scrum last last week where where Leinster scored um, the the Hugo Keenan try where in the second half where their scrum scrum capitulated. They're the small moments in a, a game, Jared, that wins you big games when you can lock out that scrum when you're defending your own line, or or you can w- steal a line out or whatever, or, or create a score from a maul. Um, so being underpowered in those areas you, you have to find different ways of playing and there's some similarities with Munster because uh, I think with Munster having the players injured obviously it gives them some mitigation but for Connacht I think that's the concern and that's the challenge for Andy Friend is to try and get more depth we saw it over in Leicester in, in, in the the pool game that they lost the way they you know they were leading that game it looked like it was going to be a historic way win and then it all changes with the the scrum and mall defense. So um they're the challenges that he has, but I think he has done a brilliant job. They won't want Connacht people won't want no, no you to patronize him in I- this scenario of it's a good it's a good news story. They want to win things. But I think maybe going back to your question, it it for me the league games are incredibly important and they've lost too many of them this year with, with inconsistent performances yeah
3: and it's a trip to South Africa next you know so it's it's not going to be easy for them from this point it would be very unlikely or more uh, unlikely than likely that they will actually end up um, qualifying for those knockout stages so uh, let's go on like I, we're hearing that Uh, it's going to be the Ireland front row the original Ireland front row as opposed to the new Ireland front row that starts from a Leinster perspective whenever that team gets named that uh, um, Kelleher is going to be back Um, and Andrew Porter you know just as you're like oh great we've got to within five points and it's going to be exciting now it's at the Aviva we played really well there against Ulster it's like oh great Uh, it's an even better Leinster team that we have to go up against
0: yeah, it is. It's, um, and that's the depth that they have, I think. And um, to have Keller and Porter back at this stage for Leinster is a, is a huge boost. I think um, they'd love to have James Ryan and Ryan Baird back. And I think they will be crucial um, if Leinster progress here and, and into the quarterfinals, semifinals beyond. I think they're the team to beat in this competition. It's the one area I'd be worried about, the second-row situation, if if they progress forward forward. Um, and I, they can't underestimate Leinster or Connacht in any way. I think they've they've got to be really wary that you know this is the last kind of throw the dice for Connacht. They they'll put everything into this, and if you give them any sort of time and space and stand off them. But I think Leinster are too good to, and they'll know that Leo Cullen and know that Stuart Lancaster, the players, um, but to have Porter and Keller coming back, and we're just having a talking about the impact what these guys do with the ball without the ball traditionally you know a good prop was someone who was a good scrummager and a good lineout lifter and a good mauler now it's we're judging props and hookers on um, you know what to do around the fields and these guys are world-class and I think they can they've shown it on the international stage as well um, the tackles the yeah. tackle reload the poaches the carries um, it's a full and, package and the power yeah. yeah it's a full package and and you know as a back row forward if, I, if you're out there continuously tackling Ronald Kenner Ty Furlong, Andrew Porter it's it's a, it's a nightmare because they're just different they can step they have acceleration they have so much power they can smash you in a tackle um, so that's why they're so good and, and they're unique players
1: how, how damaging would it be for Connacht if they got an absolute in here in terms of their journey
0: um, what it really dampened our really kind of uh, put a negative spin in the season. I think, Johnny, um, you know, as I said to Jer, the fallback here of going out of Europe in the round 16, which wouldn't, is not surprising if it happens, is that we're back in the mix in the league and that we can, you know, get into those knockout stages because there's not many teams with fancy playing Connacht and kind of knockout u uh, r c situation because they're 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 very capable of mixing with everybody mm. it's just getting an eighty minute performance so I think it would be really damaging if they if if they lost this game by a big score um is it any good to them even if they're going out if they get a good performance well it is it's something to build on it's something to say that look this is the level we need to to be at and we backed it up from from the sports ground last week so i think there's a lot to be said for 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 them and a lot to take from it to get a good performance here.
3: Uh, can we talk about Munster? And uh, we we'll talk about the game in a moment. We obviously have had Graham Rantry confirmed since we last spoke to you. A question from Porrick, who's listening in. How did it take Munster this long to promote the fella who already worked there and who said several months ago that he wanted the job? It's a reasonable question.
0: It is a reasonable question, I think, and, and probably the reason is um, I think they were, maybe there's a couple of factors here, Jared, that um, it's the timing of getting a head coach a year and a bit out from a World Cup mid-season a lot of play- coaches contracted in good positions um, some maybe didn't fancy it we saw you know Rog kind of ruling himself out at the start um, he was on, on Monster's radar uh, for obvious reasons um, Scott Robertson was being mentioned in New Zealand which again would it, he any club in the world would be interested in talking to him and I'm not privy to the the other applicants who who, who applied, but it would suggest that um, there was a process that went on that you know maybe the um, they weren't sure about the CVs of some guys that were coming through, and it took time. And then from an RFU's point of view, I think um, they probably wanted to. It should have been quicker anyway. That's the first thing I should say. It should have been quicker, but. I think, and I saw some comments from people online about continuity. That one one comment was continuity is the is the last thing Munster need. But I think it's continuity in knowing the players. And I said this, this in the podcast the other day. It's it's important that there's somebody there who knows uh, the strengths and weaknesses of players. And the reality here is the players themselves have got to take ownership. We're, we're, there's a lot of, I know the book stops with the head coach, but you know, the players have got to get better. And Graeme Rowntree now has to be ruthless in his decision-making. And if players need to be released and changes, it has to happen. He's got to be really ruthless because, unfortunately, the honeymoon period here for Graham is not going to be the same as a new coach coming in. Um, He's going to get some time for sure. And the coaches he picks are going to, to get a little bit of time. But there's a lot of frustration there that... And, and there's a belief that there's been a bit of time wasted, a period of five years where, um, of course, there has been some progress, but it's been up and down and up and down. And a lot of the same stories keep appearing about attack and lack of ambition. Can I- We're just talking about a minute ago there. Yeah. Mm. I, w- I want Munster, jerk to be a side that people say they're a great side to watch. Not that they're negative and not that they're... Um, and I think the players themselves would, would probably embrace this. And I cannot, for the life of me, think that there'd be any player in any group in any team would think, I don't want to be, you know, throw the ball around and try and be a bit ambitious and attack more. There is games that we have to shove it up the jumper, and I've played in those over the years. And you know what? They're great wins as well. There's a great buzz in the dressing room afterwards where you're dogging it out, picking and going. Roger was kicking it up in the air, and we were suffocating the opposition. There's a great feeling on, uh, in winning those games sometimes as well, because you you just can't go out and throw the ball around. But that's the big obvious one that has to change, yeah. and it has taken too long.
3: It has, and, and it'll be interesting to see who who they get in the backroom team. Brendan Fanning floats the idea today in the uh, in, St. in the Herald, but it's also in the Irish, Irish Independent, obviously that. Now that they know who the guy is and he's there and he's available and he's he's in the building, why is Van Grand still in charge for the rest of the season? The the end of the line is uh, the choreography in this one, where the South African is presented as the man in control up until his flight has cleared Irish airspace is pathetic. If David Nusufora believes he's got his man, then get on with it. I think this is a good point. Why don't they just make the manager, yeah. the head coach, the head coach?
0: I know. I did. I, I. I suppose it's. It's. It's a funny one, really. Uh, it's never really happened before that you've had this kind of promotion within during the season, and and that. Um, it, it's strange. It's strange. But I just think in the middle of what where they're at at the moment now, um, I think it'd be too unsettling. They've had a a lot of uncertainty, and there's relevance to that. You know, there's relevance. Is Rion van Grand's mind? Um, and I don't know, question the guy's integrity, but there has to be a tiny part of his mind is thinking about who he's signing for Bath next year and what kind of preparations are going on there. So is the state as cool and
1: settling as it is though? Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. I suppose yeah, the other point it. is that his. Whole they'll say the Johnny. They'll say Johnny that it's not, mm. and that we're all going to be professional here. But it's a very strange situation, and. Um, you know, maybe it should have been handled a little bit differently. But it, look, I think. Well, who would the it, defense it coach be
3: if Van Gran goes? Like, is it just Van Gran or does he take everybody who's going with them? Yeah, you I, know, I just maybe... think.
0: Look, it's 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 too risky, Jared, to do that. But they're you know, it, it, they're, Brendan Fanning has a point in what he's saying. You know, why not shift over now? But you know, if it if it falls apart, and I think, look, keep they're going to keep doing what they're doing till the end of the season, whether any of us have an opinion on it or not Um, but it's a strange dynamic that the boss is leaving and the boss is under him at the moment you know so it's uh, they've just got to get on with it now the announcement is made and I don't think any of us dissecting it anymore as regards what the coaches should or shouldn't do with with, with leaving now or leaving at the end of the season it's not going to happen so it's it's kind of irrelevant are they going through
3: we're out of time are they going to go through
0: um I don't know, Jeremy. I'd be very wary. I think Exeter will really believe that they left it behind them last week. And I think they'll be confident. They were in Limerick a couple of years ago and beaten just narrowly by probably a stronger Munster team. So, look, I would love to say I'm confident, but I'm more wary. I think, I really think they can, but they've... Obviously, got to eradicate all the turnovers and the penalties that they gave away last week.
3: Okay. All right. Good stuff. Enjoy the games, Quilly. Thanks a million. Cheers. Thanks, lads. Alan Quillen, you can hear him on the Red 78 podcast. And if you want to know what Graham Rantry is going to be like as a head coach and what he thinks about the game and how he speaks about it, he did a full hour-long interview uh with Quinny and Neve a couple of weeks ago and you'll find that in the OTB Rugby podcast feed. The easiest place to get it is if you subscribe to the Red 78 podcast. Search for that wherever you get your pods. OTB AM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Uh, here's what we've got on OTB Sports Radio today. At one o'clock it's OTB Gold, Lance Armstrong. Three o'clock is Leaders Questions with Stuart Lancaster. Our retro panel at four is Gambling and Addiction and at six o'clock it's uh, Barry Ryan talking about his book The Ascent uh, the Easter Bank holiday weekend is upon us next Tuesday on OTB on OTBAM. we'll have the performance rankings Owen Sheehan will return hopefully uh, there'll be hurling with Willa Callan football reaction and much more uh, Nathan is live tonight from 7 uh, with uh, John Giles and all the rest and then over the weekend Champions Cup Munster Exeter O'Sheen Langan and Liam Toland are at Thomond Park first for that game West Ham and Burnley Stephen Doyle and Keith Tracy on Premier League commentary and reporters from Waterford against Tip and Cork versus Limerick Um you were in a bad mood all day because you didn't have a hot cross bun.
1: Yeah, I forgot the hot cross bun. So um, I think that that nice little place, the ball barista, opens at seven, and you can get a very nice hot cross on. But I was actually early today, so
3: yeah, I haven't eaten yet. So you're cranky. I
1: yeah, a little bit angry. I I've gotten out of the habit of eating first thing in the morning, but like three hours later, I I do
3: want to eat now. Yeah, we can yeah. hear your stomach grumbling. The the mics are super. super no Kenny Shields chat. Well, I mean, okay. Go on.
1: You like Kenny Shields? Kenny Shields, like when he was the Derry City manager, um, I loved him in the League of
3: Ireland because he was capable of saying anything. It turns out anything. It turns out he is capable of saying anything. Um, Stuff that he's thought about... The, and developed ideas on
1: this. I, I I don't know where this I don't know where this Famous comment came from But I would be very much With Ricky Gervais in this I will defend people's right To say stuff And if everyone feels that Because of a massive reaction To something I'll say I'm not going to say this um, We're in a terrible Terrible world no. And no. The, the woke culture Is rubbish No, it, no It's no, absolute no. rubbish Now if no, the players no, Stop playing for him sorry, if, if the players stop playing
3: for him Absolutely this isn't, that's fine We should not get sacked For saying something This isn't woke culture this is no, dinosaur it, nonsense. It, it's it's okay. wrong and it's dangerous. No, but
1: it's, it, it, that's, it's not dangerous. It is. It is da- dangerous. It is dangerous. It, 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 I'm sorry. I'm opinion. sorry.
3: It, it, it's not an opinion. It's factually incorrect. There were fifteen thousand people. At the stuff game. Off. Nonsense. 15, irrelevant. And irrelevant. He's, he's fact. brought
1: them to a very good place. And, and if irrelevant. all if irrelevant. If the players please. stop playing for him, that's fine. And it's a dinosaur did, view. Did, fair did he
3: did he have an opinion or did he state a fact which he thought was a fact? You're entitled to your own opinions. You're not entitled to your own facts. Yeah. He said it was. Yeah. He said, I have science backing me up here. I've got statistics here. I've thought about this and I've studied it. You're not entitled to say the world is flat and the dinosaurs didn't exist. Because yeah. that's not fact. That's an opinion. Yeah, And you're not entitled to your own facts. So he can say what he wants and we can say... That you are a dinosaur yeah. and you shouldn't be in your job. You think you because, should resign because I think you don't respect the people who work for you. You're supposed to be their leader, and you're telling not them on the leadership you're, by bringing them as far as you have. You're on the telling pitch. them that you think they are incapable of rational thought, mm. and you are therefore you are grouping all women together and saying they are inferior to men. That's what that says. This isn't woke. This is equality this is, this is basic fundamental human rights mm. And it's nonsensical To allow somebody Say these things Think these things And put them in a position Where they're in control Of a group of people And the destiny of their careers Should he be sacked? I think he should I don't I think he should resign. Yeah, that, that's another point. I think
1: I, he should resign. Known him as he is. And, you know, as, as I said to you earlier, the way he behaved around the death of Ryan McBride just shows the, the measure of the man in another way. He writes a, a poem, I think, in his car outside the funeral um, that, I think, moved everyone who was involved. It was incredible. And the way he delivered it, he was so uh, moved. And his how strong he was at an awful time for a club that suffered an awful lot in Derry City. Um, he's obviously brought um, this squad. And also, by the way, he the, the level that he managed at in terms of men's football, um, he's the the way that he went so readily to the women's game um, shows the respect that he has for it. And Northern Ireland have done exceptionally well. did a big crowd at the game the other night. So he's done a lot of good, okay. despite the fact that he's a you, basket case opinion.
3: You don't you don't get all of that stuff does not get forgotten about or thrown out, but certainly. Yeah. This is I, I don't think you should. I don't think you should. I don't think you should be sacked. Put it
1: that way, and well, because I think I we're think getting into dangerous territory there. But uh, we're not. And I, I, not. I, I think you, the word you can't just say random stuff.
3: Yeah, you can't just <laughs> you can't just say random stuff. Like you can't just say it's philosophical debate. it's well, it's, it, it's, not, of it's, not, it's not a philosophical it debate. Is. It's he, of he is speech. stating as fact something which is factually incorrect. Mm. That's dangerous. You can't yeah. do that. And we have it's it's we see the power of misinformation in all walks of life. We see the power of propaganda, and if you, if you say that it's just opinion, then anything is, is fair game. People of different uh, ethnic backgrounds are uh, blah, blah, blah. That, that, this all filters into hmm. the same thing. It's just my opinion, man. It's like, no, it's not. It's factually incorrect. It's factually incorrect. I, we saw people in our YouTube comments yesterday saying, well, what if that's correct? It can't be correct because nobody's ever analysed anything like this because it's unanalyzable. Men's and women's brains, the biggest survey... The biggest, the study of all of the studies show that there's tiny differences, and it's based on the size of the head as opposed to the, anything else. There's no emotional response that women have that's better than men, or that's different from men, or that's worse than men. And I hope you all nonsensical. I hope he apologizes. It was completely wrong. He did but apologize. He yeah. apologized. It was a nonsense apology. It was one of those worst apologies that you're ever going to see. It was like, I apologize if you got offended by this. I don't apologize for what I said. The thing that I thought about anyway. Fair play to you for defending the indefensible. I, I, I will uh, die for your right to defend the indefensible, Johnny, but... Um, Don't die today, Ger. Hopefully not. 9.37 this morning. We've gone a little bit over time.
5: OTB
4: AM.
3: With Gillette. Get into your flow. With the new Gillette Labs Razor. With exfoliating bar.